Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week is a veteran to all things related to surfing. His accomplishments include... Surfer Magazine Editor, Director of Marketing at Trans World Media, Director of Media at Billabong USA, and Director of Quicksilver's Crossing. Dang! He's an author of multiple books, including Surfing the Manual, The History of Surfing at San, San Onofre, and most currently, Women on Waves. He also sits on advisory boards for Surfrider Foundation, the San Onofre uh, Foundation, Surfing America. This guy is busy. We welcome the president of the San Clemente Historical Society and the California Surf Museum, Mr. J.K. Jim Kempe Kempton. Oh, yeah. What Holy an honor and a privilege Dude. to have someone of your, what do you call it? Stature? <laughs> no. Like yeah. your, your body of work in the I, surf. I was hesitant culture. on using veteran of all things because veteran means you're you know kind of dated and old, but like it just means you're you've done a lot. You've done a lot and yeah. you've covered and you've worked in a lot of different um, aspects of the industry and it's just impressive. That that part is true. I have yeah. worked in a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um so let's start at the beginning. Campy, where where did it all start for the love of surfing? So um, when I was a kid, um, my parents were in the civil service, kind of like the military, and okay. so I was born on Guam. Wow! And uh, and I grew up in the South Pacific area, like doing tours. My dad was a building supervisor for the government, and my mom was a principal, you know, and high school principal. And so we traveled around. We lived in Hawaii when I was really little, and and I started surfing on Guam. At the one place that kind of was like Waikiki-like, mm. and um, and so that's where I learned to surf, 
and moved back here for high school and uh, moved to San Diego. And so I started surfing at La Jolla Shores. And, so uh, going back, though, to Guam. Yeah. Was was there other like military dudes that were surfing? In oh, that? full on. Yeah, like oh, a surf scene. We were kids. Yeah, you know then. You know, we were, I think I was. Well, uh, I remember I saw Gidget. You know, that, that that's my that was that was that was my that was that, in the theaters. Yeah, that was the that that was the whatever you call it, the tipping point thing. We kind of heard about surfing, but we really didn't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. no one did. And all of a sudden, this movie came out, and we went to see it. And in Guam, on Guam, yeah. yeah. And um, and I remember. I, I told people, you know, it's like after seeing that movie, and you know, the guys were older than us. They like were putting it down because it was all phony and like you know they didn't really do their own surfing. It, and it, blah, 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 it was blah, very Hollywoodish, right? Yeah. But like, if you were nine, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like all of a sudden I didn't want to be a cowboy. I didn't want to be an astronaut. I didn't want to be a detective. Yeah. I didn't want to be a fireman. I just wanted to be. I a want surfer. to be a beach yeah, boy you know? on the beach, right? But did you already see surfing happening in front of you no. before the movie? No. No? No. Okay. No. That that was that that was the beginning of it, you know. And I think it was true for a lot of people my age. Yeah. Like the guys are ten years older than me, you know, all the all the guys that are sort of the legendary people from the very beginning, they were all in their twenties. You know, we were all not even ten. Yeah. You know, so so I'm the I'm the guys ten years younger than all those guys and, and so for us we were just kids. Yeah. Know? I, don't, I don't know if that, that many... And so we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. So when you saw the movie and then you started in Guam... Yeah. And you watched, like, surfers Locals. in It Guam. happened really fast, you know? Yeah. I mean, the... the it wasn't local. Surf, it was the military, Guam. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and once, you know, once foam surfboards came in, they could supply the demand. There was a huge demand for surfing, but, but they couldn't make wooden boards fast right. enough. Like, right. Even with balsa, it takes a yeah. week to make a balsa board, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas all of a sudden you could just mass produce these boards and all these people, so all of a sudden there were boards, you could get a board. You yeah. Get a surfboard, you Tens know? of hours versus yeah. like a few hours. Yeah. And, and yeah. what was the surf scene like in Guam? Like you said there was a kind of a local beginner yeah, break, super, like Waikiki. Super, super robust. I mean, after about a year or two after we started surfing, you know, we started graduating too. There was a there was a place called Boat Basin, which was almost exactly like Ala Moana. Hmm. So after we'd learned to surf and got the Waikiki thing down and figured out how to turn and you know and 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 you know maneuver your boards, then we started surfing Boat Basin because it had a channel. So you'd surf into deep water just like Ala Moana, right? Cool. You didn't have to like try to like work yeah. a pipe type of thing. Hmm. But you know, but it was a but but you know it it, it got. Good, yeah. you know, not all the time, but definitely got good. And you're in trunks, and, and it's yeah, tropical, yeah, it's and it's 80, killing. 80 degrees in the water and 82 degrees on land. So that's like, that's you know, very inviting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, surfing's cool, but when it's warm, it's like... Oh, yeah. It's even better. Yeah. yeah. You have it's, no yeah. zero excuses to get your butt out there. Yeah. Going exactly. back to Gidget the movie, it's so funny because we, we bring that up, how Hollywood, you know, glamorizes, you know, when, when it... When it picks up on surfing, it totally glamorizes it, and the trend just goes, you know, Through ballistic. Yeah. And yeah. over the years, you know, there's been so many, not so many, but there's been many movies about surfing yeah. that, you know, when you see that happen and it's a good movie, like, the surf industry prospers from it, right? Absolutely. Like, we, yeah. you know, Gidget back in the day, and I'm sure all the, 
you know, beach blanket bingo type yeah. movies well, even, early you know, on. Even, even fairly recently, but I mean, you know, when Blue Crush came out. Oh, gosh, which, yeah. You know, Women really surfing. Because, because Quicksilver passed on the opportunity to, like, go with the movie and Billabong jumped on it. Oh, yeah. And that movie transformed women <laughs> surfing. I mean, yeah. there were just millions of girls. Yeah. Thought, hey, I can, you know, I, I want, just like we were, right? Yeah. Like, they saw that and went, this is the coolest thing ever, yeah. right? And jumped right in. Yeah. And and to this day, you know, ask anybody at Quick, and they'll just go, God, we blew it so yeah. bad. <laughs> you know, we should have got that. It's, well, they had the Roxy thing yeah, so hard, had, right? You know? Roxy was, yeah. yeah, dominating. But, yeah, outside of our surf industry bubble, like, you know, college sports is kind of, or sports get you into college or, you know, and then there's a small portion that goes into pros and that's usually at your young twenties, you know, mm-hmm. and in surfing, it's, it's, you start making money or, or, you know, being used as, you know, marketing and stuff at a really young age. And once, you know, parents see that, you know, and I think kids see that at a young age are like, yeah, I think it's just way more wow factor, you know, like, to, you know, because yeah. it's in, in, a, in an organized sport team, it, it's years before, you know, you might be on a high school team, you know, I, you, to you, make money to make money. Yeah. But just to get to that, you know, that exposure level, I think, you know, you get way more it's exposed funny. at a younger you, age. Yeah. You you can make money earlier at surfing, but you can't make the money you can in the sports. Yeah. Right. Like, but the, but there are, I mean, you're, you're right. You're right. Some um, people in the top, you know, echelon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a it's a really small number, but relatively, I guess it's probably the same because, you know, look at, you think about how many people play, you know, high school sports and how many guys become NBA or... or yeah, very LNBA, few. You know, so very, small, like, it's so guys, small. It's like, yeah. it's really tiny. Even the, even the, even the, the college guys, yeah. you know, it's pretty small compared to... You know, it's a hundred to one in college, a thousand to one in pros. You know, yeah, for sure. And uh, we we kind of broken it down, like how many people, how many football players are on a team, and right? how many teams, and how many teams in the league. It's like under a thousand, you know, professional football players, right? Most yeah. likely, right. And same thing with basketball, and same thing with baseball. It's like yeah. baseball has more teams i think but more still, teams and a little more roster because yeah you know instead of one or two too yeah one or two quarterbacks you know <laughs> yeah, and pitchers yes, they have like six or yeah. eight pitchers yeah yeah, yeah. so but, going back to campy you you pretty much grew up on guam and then your family moved to san Clemente. so actually my my family moved to san diego okay they, they looked at san Clemente and i begged them to uh, <laughs> to go to San Clemente but because of surfing you know, or because of surfing from yeah. just being at the beach. Yeah. You know? Well, how old um, were you when you moved back? So I was fourteen when I moved back. Okay. Yeah. So I pretty much grew up overseas. I mean, I did it. We. It's funny. There's a picture of me that uh, in in it was uh, of me right where everyone takes the famous picture, like by the Duke statue, where you're looking at Diamond Head. Yeah. Is, is the backdrop, and everybody from Lana Turner to now gets their pictures taken there, right? Yeah. And I was looking at it. It's totally, uh, it's a totally un, you know, impressive picture, except for the fact that all of a sudden I was looking at it. I was going, there are no two-story buildings. Wow. Everything on this stretch, all the way to Diamond Head, is one story. And it's a view that all happened, like in a ten or twelve-year period. Yeah. You know of uh, that those you know that's what yeah. they call it the, the high-rise explosion. The, the crane was the you know the the state bird right in yeah. Hawaii because. It's so true. Those twenty-story buildings—they just went up in a decade. Yeah, you know? and it was compl- it was a completely different place. You know, 
Yeah, I don't know. What was that? 70s, you know? Earlier, it was in the 60s. 60s, 70s. Late 60s. Late 60s. Yeah. When, like, Mickey Nielsen was on the podcast, Uh and he was telling us how his dad, they grew up in, like, Chino, or he was born in Chino, and his dad was a construction worker and moved to uh, Hawaii in the early 60s for the... Boom. For the construction boom, construction boom, yeah, yeah. and you know, he, yeah, right. like his dad it. did all the <clears throat> hotels and high rises. Yeah. But like that era was Elvis Presley, and he loved yeah. Hawaii, and you know, the celebrities started going there, and it became Don like Ho. a really like you know popular yeah. destination. Really, and open. you know, flights got cheaper. There was more commercial. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of factors at why it blew up. But you sure. know, as far as the, you grew up on a mini Hawaii, yeah, in par- yeah. like paradise. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we never, we we never went to the North Shore. When, I mean, we lived, we we lived in at Schofield, you know, barracks, but we never went that way. We always went into town, you mm-hmm. know, because there was really nothing out there then. You know, there were there were houses, but they Few were houses, lots of huts and dirt roads, you know, old old yeah. houses that had been moved on to the property and so forth. But there wasn't really anything that anyone wanted to do there before surf before surfing sort of took hold. Crazy, yeah. you know. What just, what did you do for fun when you do you remember like when you were a kid? As a kid, skateboarded a lot. Oh wow! Oh yeah, we were totally into skateboarding. I saw your little ramp out here. Yeah. That looked cool. Yeah, um, my but, kids love it. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, we skated. We skated on Chicago wheels. They were the ones that you that you could buy at the time. There weren't any weren't any urethane wheels. They were all they were all clay. clay. And uh, you'd ride down With the road. And you'd ride down to the bottom of the hill, and then walking back up, you'd like pick all the all, all the asphalt out of your wheels, <laughs> and it'd get so hot, right? And they were just like this is, You'd get a new set about every three weeks because they just you just grind them down. You know, they were, meant, they were meant for like the super smooth, yeah. you know, roller rink, right? Yeah. We just took the we just took them off the skates and like bolted them onto our surf on our skateboards and you know rode them. That's funny. And, uh, um, yeah, so we did a lot, a lot of skateboarding, um, and then, you know, you played baseball. Yeah, like everybody, everybody plays baseball as a kid, I guess. You know. So, um, were you excited to move back to California, to the states, to the mainland, or? Yeah, I was. I was excited just because California, like, it was the it was the center of the world. You know, it still sort of is, but you know, yes. I mean, it was really the center of the world. And and you know, you're a kid, you, and it's just certainly the center of surfing. Yeah. So I couldn't wait to like go see places like Malibu and. So how did you know about those places? Magazines, movies, and magazines. Okay. Surfer, surfer came right right away. You know, I mean that's what I'm saying. Everything happened so fast because they were already kind of happening, but you know you just didn't know about them. And then all of a sudden you were in it, and then all of a sudden you're sending away to box ten twenty eight Dana Point. Man, that was the that was the PO box for, for <laughs> Surfer Magazine. You sent there for everything. It, it's know? so true, and I, I mean I. I I feel bad for that kind of younger generation yeah. that didn't get that monthly subscription or yeah. save their money and go down to the local market to grab, you know, and you'd read it front to back, back to front, and you'd have a month and you'd exchange a friend, you know, like yeah. in every picture. I mean, you would really analyze what's, everything. What's so funny true. is that you just reminded me we had Eric Diamond, ED, uh-huh. on the podcast and... uh his office is in in the in the endless summer building. Yeah, 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 yeah. Upstairs. No, Eric and I go back a long ways. I I was really good friends with his dad. Yeah, um, back in the day. Diamond. And, uh, yeah, Dan. Doggy Diamond was his name. <laughs> Doggy Diamond. Um, Daryl was his name. Okay. Like everybody called him Doggy. That Courtney Carroll gave him that nickname. That's so funny. You know? And uh, um, but so, he was a real good surfer. Really yeah. Good surfer. Yeah. 
Uh, so 14 years old, whole family moves back. San Diego, where, whereabouts yeah. you guys settle? Poway. Poway? Oh, yeah. Inland. So I was like landlocked. Fudge. And, uh, and so like my dad would, in the summertime, you know, my dad, another thing is like, in those days there actually weren't, people didn't wear wetsuits like they do now. Yeah. And they weren't, and they weren't the same so the winter kind of Farmer John's. In the winter you didn't surf much, yeah. really, truthfully. Um, but summer, like every day, my dad would drop me off. And it's funny because, you know, I, I, at Billabong, I ran the surf camps, right? And and uh, and all, of, all the parents bring their kids to the surf camp because they wouldn't think about leaving their kids at the beach unsupervised, right? Yeah. They go and they pay a lot of money to have basically... Daycare. Yeah. Look after them, yeah. right? <laughs> and my parents were really straight and, and really strict, but like those days they thought nothing is dropping you at seven in the morning, yeah. go to work, pick you up at four in the afternoon, yeah. you know, five in the afternoon. Which... You're there all day with two quarters, one to buy a quarter milk yeah. and one to buy like yeah. you know, a bunch of Twinkies from Isn't from that the best though? It, best you know? way to grow up though? Oh yeah, it was, I it, mean, it was that... just complete freedom. Yeah. You know? Freedom yeah. and <clears throat> never bored. Yeah. yeah. You know, even oh, when yeah. the waves suck, you're like... And you're oh, yeah. outside doing healthy outdoor right? shit. Like, yeah. I don't so, know how, how healthy a lot of it was. <laughs> so you're you're 14. Did you have your own board in Guam, and did you bring it back, or I didn't bring my board back because the boards there were like they were they were not pop outs, but they were like Royal Hawaii. They were brands that were cool brands. The first board I got here and I had for a long time was uh, a Hanson. Hanson. And nice. my parents took me down. You know, I was begging for a you know surfboard. Got to get a surfboard. Come on, come on, come on. And you if know. you're in San Diego, like and, that's and, yeah, that's the spot. And, and the Hanson shop was right across from Cardiff Reef, in this little tiny little like almost shack place, you know. And Don was the most charming guy, and he was more my parents' age. Yeah. You know, and he just charmed them up. He just like my parents weren't quite sure if like they want. Like when you're living in the, in the in the Pacific, everybody is at the beach all the time doing everything. So surfing wasn't really anything more than like something else you did. People water skied, people snorkeled, people yeah. didn't dive. You know, people fish. My dad was a big fisherman. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. So it wasn't a big deal. But when they moved back here, it was kind of like I don't know if like we want him to be a surfer. You yeah. Know? And Don just talked him right into it, man, and got got a so got a board. Like- Early late sixties or so this is sixty five. Sixty five. So yeah. mid yeah, mid sixties. Where and, surfers didn't completely have a bad rap yet, right? No, I think they had they already had a bad rap, <laughs> but but uh but also you know, it, it's it's a it's a love hate thing, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's sexy and it's cool and at the same time it's like, Oh man, bad boys, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, and and ne'er do wells and they're never gonna do you know, they're never gonna do anything with their lives. They just they just live to surf, you know. Yeah. And that's what my parents were worried about, was like well, I was gonna be one of those, but you know, I was a good student, so they didn't really they didn't really hit me a heart too hard. As long yeah. as I got good grades and stayed out of trouble as much as you could, you know. Um, they were good with it, you know. Yeah. So your first board was a Hanson? First board my first board in California was a Hanson. It was beautiful. It had a red fin and a um, you know, black pin lines. It was yellow tint. You know, custom I mean, or off the rack? It was custom. Nice. They, 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 like he talked them into it. Mr. Silverman Don is like, yeah. The silver tongue. Oh, no, we're yeah. going to custom. We're going to get you color. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And he's so, got the like doctor bedside manner because he's from the Midwest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So he's like so super was, prim and proper. And we'd, we'd like, so my dad would drop me off in the summer and we would literally, we'd, he'd drop me off at Scripps Pier. Usually I had a friend of mine that would come with me, you know, somebody else who surfed. You know, I had other friends that surfed in, in 
we had a little surf club. It was about 10, 10 people out of a, you know, at, at a school of, of, of a thousand, you know, there were like 10 of us that surfed, but we were all tight and we all went, yeah. you know, and so my dad had, you know, he worked right nearby so he could drop us, you know, so there's always somebody that wanted to go with me, but I can remember so many times because we didn't have a car, so we would walk down to Black's wow. and then we would sit and wait for the older kids to come because we were too like, you know, we didn't want to go out by ourselves. And it was always, you know, even now, like you look at blacks and go, oh, yeah, it's great. It looks about three foot. And then, you know, about about 30 yards out, you go, this is like overhead, yeah. man, or double overhead. And I, I'm so yeah. miscalculated this thing. And it's you know? a powerful brain. And it just cracks, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. So we just wait for the big kids. You know, they'd come down and like, you know, and then we'd paddle out behind them, you know, and figure out, figure out the, you know, the lineup. But uh, it's funny that, uh, the reason I say that is it's funny that you think about, like, sitting the waves are really good and you're sitting waiting for other people to come yeah because you know because you know, usually you're like oh, yeah. you don't want anybody to show up but right. yeah you're like yeah. man it would be awesome if nobody's out no yeah. you actually want a few people out <laughs> yeah. especially when there when you're that age man you want yeah. the, the 16 and 17 year olds that are really old to be yeah. like out there first you know <laughs> how what a miss you get your board down there huh yeah well we walked from scripps beer oh yeah. scripps that's right yeah. so that's yeah. a freaking journey so, oh yeah and, and powie's not particularly close to the beach no it well it's not it, it, it's funny as the, as the as the crow flies it isn't that far it's about it's only about less than 20 miles inland okay but it's hard to get to that way mm. so especially to La Jolla and we didn't even know about North County until I was in I guess my my, my junior my senior year in high school I got a job at Surfboards Hawaii wow which was in the old La Paloma building if you know the La Paloma theater yeah so you know how there's La Paloma and then there's now it's like a restaurant yeah that was the, the corner. that was the factory that was the that was the the, the surfboard Hawaii factory Dang. and and it was it was like super high ceilings because it was next to the the, the screen you know yeah. butted it on that side so these little tiny windows up at the top and and I remember we'd like you know I was rubbing rails and just doing you know all the shop stuff and and uh how did you get the job I bullshitted my way into it. Was that your first first job, or did you do other stuff? Well, I mean, you know, I, I in did the lawns and yeah. things like that. But that was my first surf board industry job. job. And and uh, and and I and I had glass on Guam. My dad was really good with all that stuff. He was a '50s guy. He could fix anything, build anything, make yeah. anything. You know, all that stuff. And he knew how to work fiberglass. He built a boat with fiberglass and a kit like an Evinrude, you know, uh, Chris Craft. Yeah. And so. Um, so he knew how to work fiberglass. So you were around it. Down, so he it. taught me how to do that, you know. But you know, we didn't know anything about cutting. You know, cutting how to cut everything to fold under, like the the nose wrap the rails. Nose, like, yeah. They weighed about forty pounds, you yeah. know. Or Squeeze pounds. you off like yeah, as much you know, as you can. Just a joke. So so uh, um, so, but I knew how to do it. So I walked. I told my dad, if you give me a hundred bucks, I've saved up two hundred dollars. I'll buy a car and I'll get a job. That day, I'll get a job and I'll pay you back. My dad is just kind of rolling his eyes, right? So he gives me the money. I got a '57 Volvo paddle wagon. Wow! And it was a, the cool. It was a, the. You bought it for how much? I bought it for three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, three hundred bucks, and uh, and and it ran a long time, you know. But uh, but you know, it had it was it was like a milk truck, so you could put your surfboard. It was the best thing next to a hearse or a Woody. Yeah. That you could have. I mean, it was actually better than either of those because. You know, you could you could fit your board in. It had doors that opened this way. You know, and yeah. like and you didn't have to strap you know, it onto the roof. And, and there was no there were no windows in the back, 
it was great to go to the drive-in with girlfriends, you know, and stuff. It was like a great drive-in. Right? I love it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, uh, so anyway, I, I, uh, um, I drove straight down there, and the guy and I said, I, I want to get a job. I was sixteen. I was sixteen, like the day I was sixteen. That's so and, awesome. And, I built boats. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm like, you know, I've been working fiberglass my whole life. With my hands. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the guy goes, his, it was, it was, it, John Price owned it. He was, he was the owner of, of, of Surfboards Hawaii. But the guy that worked there, it was a really sweet guy um, named Nelson. And he, he said, uh, so he said, well, what can you do? And I said, I can glass, I can shape. I can. And he goes, can you rub rails? I didn't even know what that meant because yeah. we never rubbed rails out, you know. <laughs> and I said, sure. He goes, okay, come with me. So he takes me back and luckily like, just, he, he hands me a shirt form and leaves me there, right, with the stack of boards. And there was another guy working, so I just watched him. It's not rocket science. It's yeah. easy, right? So yeah. figured it out in about 10 minutes, which I'm sure he knew I'd figure it out. if I. He probably didn't believe a word I said anyway, but it was yeah. like, here's a kid who'll work, you know. And, uh, and they paid me $3 a board, which was a lot in those days. Yeah, yeah. Like, because minimum wage was a buck sixty-five, and and so it took you an hour to rub out a board. You got three bucks. It was like double, wow, you know, double the, yeah. the minimum wage. And it's know? something you're like totally into. Oh yeah, yeah. you're just so stoked to be there, you know. And all, Billy Hamilton was shaping, and and it was just it was just when shortboards had just started happening. Started. I mean, it was sixty-seven, mm. and in sixty-six, I the they had the world contest in San Diego. And 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 that young won it, and I God I pleaded and pleaded with my parents. I cajoled them, come on, like you know, I'm going. God, you know, Jock Sullivan's gonna be there, and Joey Cabell's gonna be there, and, and you know, and Corky Carroll's gonna be there, and David is gonna be there. And my parents were like rolling their eyes, right? Yeah. And I go, and and Duke Hanamoku is gonna be there. And my mom goes, Duke Hanamoku, <laughs> and I go, yeah. She goes, okay, we'll go. Nice. She knew that he was like an Olympic swimmer, and yeah. she was his age. She was like, you know, they were that was that was her. That was the, yeah. So it'd be like now I don't know, like saying, you know, Kelly Slater. You know, yeah. Now, you oh, know, for sure. Kids want to go down and see Kelly Slater. Sure, we'll go. You know, how rad. And uh, and and so he was sitting there, and uh, I'll never forget this was one of the really cool things with my mom. I was standing in line. There was a huge line to shake Duke Hanamoku's hand, and. I, I'm super impatient. I hate standing in lines, whether it's for the movies or for the, you know the bank. I, I don't like to stand in lines, and uh, so I started to get out of line. My mom goes, "No, no, no! You just stay right there. Someday you'll be really glad you did." Wow! And he died two years later. That was '66. He died in '68. Wow! Crazy! And I'm so stoked because I'm one of the few people that I know yeah. who actually met Nukanamoku, got to shake his hand, That's and crazy. Got to talk to him for five minutes. You know the whole thing. No camera. And, no. And, no. Yeah. yeah just, just chatting with him. You know. And he was a super. And you thank your mom every day for that. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, that's... you patience, but then. Yeah, you never know. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, like that. The, yeah, she knew like that. You know. Yeah, that's a like rare bill. You know, yeah. rare I mean, occasion. Like you, you, you you can talk about it forty years later. Yeah, you know what I mean. How, how old were you when you, that contest went on? It was like my first. It was my 16? first year. Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen. Wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And that roster of people that surfed that contest. I mean, it the was best the best. Oh yeah. 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 Joyce Hoffman won the women's side. Margo was in it. Is it wind and sea? Uh, right. It was it was actually it was at Ocean Beach. Ocean Beach. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, and and um, and that won it not on a on a shortboard but riding it like a shortboard. Mm. So that was what turned it off. Like they'd seen, like... seen Greeno. You know, Greeno had gone down to, to Australia, 
and and Nat and Wayne and all those guys, you know, Wayne Lynch and Nat Young and 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 uh, and those guys had seen him, and they were saying, "How do we, how do we surf like that?" Crazy, Greeno? No, no, Greeno, George Greeno. Yeah. So how George, do we surf like Greeno? How do we surf like Greeno? Because Greeno was surfing vertically. Yeah. So there, you know, then it was like you come down to the bottom, you churn, you pull up, you run to the nose, you ride horizontally across the wave. Mm. But Greeno was a kneeboarder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's so why he was, he was just going straight up the face, bam, down, bam. So he was just surfing so, like this, right? They'd never seen, no one had ever seen anything like that because yeah. you're not a nine foot board, it's impossible. Right. Almost, what, right? what if we start shaping boards like, yeah, like so how, what do he's we, how do we So you're telling me Greeno kind of helped usher hot dog, like not hot dog surfing, but vertical surfing and... Totally. He was, the, he was wow. really the impetus for... The shortboard revolution. Really? I mean, when you're watching this somebody... This is a history lesson. It is. But, I, you know, it makes total sense when you're looking at somebody riding a wave totally different. Yeah. You know? Like, and aggressively on a kneeboard. Yeah. And vertically. That and was vertically. Because yeah. it was kind of... You couldn't do... You can't do that on a nine-foot board. You can't right. get straight up the face no. on a nine-foot board. It just won't... It doesn't fit, you know? Yeah. But on a kneeboard, you know, it's only... Five some four some five and, yeah. something. And, you just go straight and up. He's the same, and he's the same. Bam, bam. Relatively same size, weight, you know, and, and build and stuff. So it's yeah. like, well, if that board's floating him, like, why wouldn't, why couldn't we stand up on something similar to that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of. This is than, awesome to to hear because I never did. You know that I I I didn't know who who it was, but I knew like I mean, I know who George Greeno was only as like a filmer and a yeah. a kneeboarder. Yeah. But not the guy that kind of no. ushered in shredding yeah. on a surfboard. For sure. I know. Yeah. How fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so no one knew what worked because they knew they couldn't. You can't stand up on a kneeboard. And so, how, what do you, so there's all the ex- experimentation going on. And the Aussies, you know, with, with uh, McTavish... They were doing their thing down down in Australia, and and Brewer, you know, um, was doing it was sort of like figuring it out here, and so Brewer was on Maui, and and uh, uh, McTavish came over to Maui, and they met, and he was shaping boards for um, he was shaping boards for Jerry Lopez and Reno and a lot of the a lot of the you know top surfers of that time because yeah. he was like kind of the guru guy. Just right from the beginning, almost. Yeah. Um, because he was very smart, and he had a he had a degree from Caltech, and he was a mathematician and a, and a super you know, smart. Like yeah, super smart and super uh, and and very confident about what he did. And uh, so anyway, they met and they talked, and and all the McTavish's boards had these big V's. Their idea was, well, we'll put a V in the bottom, like a boat. to like make it to yeah. make it looser, right? To like you know so, you, and and. So when I got to Surfboards Hawaii, it was just beginning to like, that was in 66, so I was in 67, it was just sort of like everything, everyone's trying everything. And Billy had come back from, Billy Hamilton had come back from Australia and he was shaping these V-bottoms. And, you know, so at lunchtime we go down to, you know, down to Moonlight, you know, and, and he'd go out and we'd watch him surf and we'd just be going, oh my God. We have to get a board like that, you know. That's could tell that's instantly, there, right? Like, but this is why. But what we didn't realize is that Billy could have been serving a telephone pole. Yeah, right. He's just right? talented. He was just such an unbelievable, unbelievable surfer, you know. And and so we all got him, and it set our surfing bag about six months, you know. Yeah. It's a trip to hear like 
you know, the nostalgia and and the importance and the progression of what we're talking about right now. Because I mean, longboarding is is one thing, yeah. And then, you know, as you were there at the the change of the changing of the guard, like yeah, yeah. One day you're you're watching guys, you know kind of just gliding and walking to the nose, you know what I mean? Like longboard surfing. And then a couple months later, you're like, holy shit, this dude's going straight up on a, you know, yeah. and doing cutbacks and doing like slashes. You're like, yeah. Well, wow. We, yeah, we talk about all the time. It was that transition from bolsa to, you know, yeah. fiberglass, you know, foam. Right. That really kind of elevated surfing. And then it was the kind of short board. And yeah. then it was the thruster. Like those three within those, you know, years, Yeah, it just changed everything. Yeah. You know, so those, so you could tell guys surfing, like who, what kind of board they're on, you know, what, who shape, you know, like obviously the labels, but like the shapes that you're seeing from Maui coming over. Yeah. Like who is starting to sh- sh- mimic those shapes here? So here Bing's, Bing's crew Bing. was, was doing that. Like the, like the Bonzer, yep. you know, the, the Camel brothers were, were really, you know, were really, uh, um, shaping cool new kind of boards the guys at gordon and smith were yeah, were, were, were shaping and they all they all branched out they all became shapers of their own you know yeah um and and i mean i, I won't name them all because i'll leave somebody out and then they'll be mad but, yeah right but, i know, you know yeah i mean there's almost nobody in san diego of the, of the sort of older school of surfer of surf shapers that um didn't start at gordon and smith yeah. You know? Now I worked at Surfboards Hawaii. Billy worked there. The Chan and Diff and Differ guys were really, you know, there. But they were all, they were all, a lot of guys went out with longboards. They just didn't, you know. Keep up with the. Well, they were just, they didn't know what to, they didn't really, they didn't really know what to do. You know, they weren't, they weren't skilled at that. They really didn't want to learn something new. Like everybody, like people that don't want to learn how to use, didn't want to learn how to use a computer. You know, yeah. they, they just never phase did it. Out. You know, and they, yeah, they phase out. You yeah. Know? You know, there's a, it's interesting, like, you know, that the, you always see those ads that say Body by Fisher. You ever see those ads, like, for Chrysler or whatever? They'll always have this little thing on it that says Body by Fisher. So I was really, really curious, why do they have that? And, and it's a, they're a group that Design. makes, that they're a design firm that makes, that makes the, the frames for, you know, a lot of different cars. Yeah. And so I was reading about them, and they actually started out being a carriage company. Huh. Yeah. But when cars started coming in, the carriage people refused to make, like, yeah. steel, like they want to make carriages. And then, and, and Body by Fisher is still being made, man, because those guys are smart enough to go. Yeah. We're gonna make yeah. these for the cars. They're, yeah. coming, they're the new thing that's coming. Because that's, in, right? I mean, that was a what is it? That was a adapter die. Exactly. Right? But yeah, like the the chassis, you know, like that was the foundation of any car, you yeah. know, and they they just slap on different panels at the time, like that was yeah. you know a way to streamline production yeah. and make it efficient. Yeah. So, um, so you 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 start off at the factory like you know working on rails rounding rails and and how long that lasts and did you figure out other so move then, on to other jobs well, in there? Well, then what happened is the surfboard shop kind of really took I don't want to say a hit, but everything went underground and everything was garage mm. like music, same thing. You know what I mean? Like first it was like all you know all these people dressed up in their satin jackets and their you know and their and their Stratocasters and you know playing. And then all of a sudden it was like all underground and people were recording in their garage and they were, you know, make, and everybody was making surfboards in the garage and we started making the surfboards in the garage. And everyone then was shaping and Stevie Was it like Liss, a DIY revolution or something or? It was, it was just the, the Mitch's surf shop yeah. 
would supply you with everything you needed. And before that, they didn't. So yeah. Mitch, is, Mitch has really killed the surf shots in a lot of ways. Because Clark. Because they, they, Clark would sell to him. Yeah, yeah. Clark didn't care. He'd just say, so, here, I'll so sell you the boards for the same price for the same prices. Mitch and is the first it, guy to, to, to start the garage. Certainly one of the first guys that would supply. All the materials. Fiberglass, resin, blanks, huh. you know, acetone, all that stuff. You could buy at Mitch's. Okay. Before that, there was no place to get it, so you couldn't really make your own board. You had yeah. to go to a surf shop, right? Yeah. And have them make it. And then all of a sudden, everyone could make them, you know? And so, and no one knew what worked. So everybody wanted to experiment. Everybody thought mm. they were a new shaper, you know what I mean? They would try, try yeah. new stuff. And, you know, boards were like, went down to like five foot. And all of a sudden, then fishes, you know, I was going to, sc- I went to school at Cal Western University. Sorry, thank no, you. No, you're good. And, um, and so I was at Cliffs every day. And all of a sudden, we see these guys surfing these fishes, you know? Yeah. And it was unbelievable. Like they were just, Gliding, you know, just and gliding, flying, yeah, and pumping and and you know doing these full you know roundhouse cutbacks and and we were just blown away, yeah. You know? So we started surfing on fishes, and we got you know and, and we thought that was like the coolest thing ever. But that he was making them in his garage. So know? going back to you being like sixteen with a car, and and working. Did, did you start driving up the coast and like doing mini surf trips to like Malibu or Huntington or? So actually where we used to go most of the time was it's Trestles. Trestles. Yeah. Of course. Because you could camp there and there was a state park. You could camp there and you could walk in. It wasn't very crowded and it was close enough for us. Like going to Rin- going to Malibu, Malibu was crowded from the day it started. Hmm. I mean, you, I, there was never a time when Malibu was like, oh, we got it when it was... You know, yeah. when it was uncrowded, no. Yeah. Like, Malibu was crowded back when Dora was surfing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 65. When P- when PC- Hollywood when, killed it. Well, <laughs> that in, in PCH, I mean, the, the beach rolls right up to the yeah. freaking yeah, the you highway. See, You're like, you oh, it's good. Oh, it's yeah. going off. And oh, I, 10 million people living there. I will yeah. walk I mean, 10 feet. You, know, you had, you had 10 millions feet. of people living within... Yeah. You know, a half an hour yeah. drive. Yeah, San Clemente was undeveloped. You know, Oceanside was still yes. Pendleton, you know, Camp Pendleton. Yeah. And was, sleepy little places, you know. Was there more surf shops in, like, Encinitas, Moonlight Beach area back in the day or kind of? There were a lot. I mean, I'd say that North County has always had, I don't know why, maybe just because it was cheap. You could be at, it was one of the few places you could be at the beach. Mm. And it was cheap, you yeah. know. Yeah. Just like now, I mean, no one, if you don't own, if you don't own, you know, Aaron's place. Yeah, you're... You're not, you're not going to go there and open another surf shop. Yeah. If he ever leaves, that place is not going to be a surf shop. No, you no. know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going to sell it for $20 million, right? It's going to have to be, I don't know what, but yeah. it won't be, probably it'll be something else, you know? When, when um, we had um, Mark Richards from Val Surf Wally, when we had him on and he talked about how the South Bay was so was a big focal point in surfing. Yeah. You know, that was another Huge. history lesson for us. Yeah, it was like Takayama you know, and um, Bing was there. Bing was there. Jacob was there. Jacob Jacobs. Was there. Yeah, Velzi was Dewey. there. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, they were. They, Dewey, that was the that in San Diego were kind of the two manufacturing places. Yeah, you know, down here you had Gordon Smith uh, um, and and uh, Surfboards Hawaii and Shannon Diffenderfer. You know, and, and so there were there were a bunch of, of those and then people splitting off from yeah. them up there. It was like Greg Knoll and Bing and yeah. and, and Takayama and, did, and did you uh, Weber. I mean, Weber yeah. 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 Did you have uh, like 
experience localism when you would go up and down the coast or people were cool back then or no it was it, I, I think I think the like the late the late 60s and early 70s was like the peak of localism really. Really? <laughs> well because once shortboards happened there were just so many more people in the water and you could you know you could you could get you could get places more I yeah mean, just the the all the people who were my age suddenly came suddenly could drive yeah and and I'm kind of the middle of the baby boom you know like I'm so it just it just got more and more crowded and because you could drive people were driving so yeah. we'd go up the coast and all the guys that used to serve San Onofre were like they're gonna have to put up with us you know yeah. here we are every south swell we knew that there was gonna be good there's you know? been so many interviews where people that are pretty influential or been in the industry or became really good surfers all came from in a lot of them not oh, yeah. you know not growing up at the beach community yeah. you know whether it's five ten miles or an hour drive yeah. like like you said it surfing blew up but with the you know the help of you know car and in all the you know all the yeah. magazine you know like it got people to the beach even if you weren't yeah. born and raised there yep yeah it's, it's like, funny I, to talk about localism because back then it you know it regulate people regulated surf spots and oh yeah you know part of me us kind of like wishes it was still that way well no but i mean the interesting thing was is that's what i'm saying you can't regulate malibu yeah you, know, you can't relegate regulate rincon you, know, yeah. you can't really relegate regulate swamis or or wind and sea wind and sea to a certain extent because there's no parking so yeah you know if you live there it's good but i mean most of the good spots you know those places are really hard because Everybody goes there, yeah. And, you know, and and they, and, and they usually yeah, had accessibility and. But man, if you go to Fuller's or you go to you know you go to, you know yeah. you go to Sunset Cliffs or you go to you know even Ocean Beach, it, it gets yeah you know very very local. Oxnard, oh Oxnard, <laughs> yeah. God, I've I mean, had everything in the car except the car taken. You know, there. Yeah. <laughs> Mission Beach Jetty, and yeah. you know, there's I mean, just you know, any little nook and cranny or yeah. or. Palos Verdes. Palos Verdes yeah. or yeah, Redondo Break Wall. You know, like places that don't break often yeah. or they're just, you know, heavy crowd, heavy yeah. locals. Yeah. I mean, the pier, Huntington, I grew up and it was the same thing. You know, it yeah. was pretty crowded, but, you know, you could go down a half a mile and probably surf with like a quarter of the people. That's where or you I could try it. to surf the pier and, yeah, you're going to get get checked for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's part of, you know, like you said, it. <clears throat> Still happens today, but not what it used to be. Were you and your friends going down to Mexico too? Went down to Mexico. I didn't go to Mexico much until until uh, until I was in school in college, because um, because I was old. I was older. I had to be you had to be eighteen then to go across the border. Mm. I guess you still do, but you know. So that was I was in college by that time. So when I really started going to Mexico, there was a really good friend of mine named Denny Doyle, and he probably isn't anything now because he was like not a superstar, but he was an East Coast champ mm. for like, I don't know, he won like three times and he owns the Surfers Union surf shop there in New Jersey, was a really cool guy and he loved going to Mexico and we used to go to Mexico all the time and surf K55 and, and K38 when you just pull up onto a dirt walk yeah. there and, and walk down, you know, yeah. and, uh, and he'd always talk me into going to, uh, you know, to Mexico then. And then we went down to you know Mazatlan, and we didn't know we didn't know the you know any place like just like when I went to first went to Tahiti, we didn't. I mean, we looked at Chopu and went, well, that's not surfable, right? You know, like, yeah. Like, for body it looks fun, but for a minute and just go mind surfing. That's not that's not surfable, you know. <laughs> yeah. So let's go down, you know, keep keep driving, 
And the same thing with Ward Escondido, you know, I mean, it didn't look like it was rideable. Yeah. And, but, you know, there were, and there were lots of points that were uncrowded, so why, you know, worry about it? Yeah. And, and, uh, and and so, yeah, so we served Mexico quite a bit in, in those days. It was, it was. Took your Volvo down there? Cheap and, by that time I had a Volkswagen bus. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, upgrade. You can sleep and. I had that for like, I think I had a Volkswagen bus for 25 years. Damn. So how long did you work at uh, Surfboards Hawaii? So I worked there for two years, um, and then I started. And then I started college, and I couldn't really drive up from Point Loma. Mm-hmm. That's where I was. So you went to Point Loma. I went to I went to the school that's now called the Church of the Nazarene yeah. College, but it was called Cal Western in California Western University, and it was a full surf school, man. I mean, we made surfboards in our dorm, and I mean, it was we lived. It's in still Green, still Sunset Cliffs, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It's it's still. Um, PLNU, right? Point Loma. Point Loma. Church Nazarene. of Nazarene, yeah. 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 I don't know what the, I don't know how it's, it's I think they're like the number that. one college too in, in surf right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. Like, well, yeah. Look, you yeah. got me a new one. I, I... So you, you graduated from Point Loma? I did, yeah. What, what did you go to, what was your major? I, I, I majored in, uh, in communications. Well, it was, yeah, it was, it, it, there wasn't such a thing then, but it was English and you had, so I had a, a journalism and creative writing. Wow. So you knew of, early on that you wanted to be uh, in, in like journalism? Uh, I think I did. Journalism? Yeah. I mean, I just loved, I loved writing and, and you know, <clears> it's a huge plus for school, as you know. Like I got through graduate, so I went to graduate school as an, a, in an MBA. I got an MBA, and I never would have got through it, but I could write well enough that all the guys who were smarter than me, you know, couldn't couldn't write as well as I could. Yeah. So even though I didn't know as much as they did, I still got a bit, as good a grade or better, you know, because yeah. creative writer and you yeah. could get your point across. And yeah. And what you know, what career were you aiming for? I have absolutely no idea. None. No, no idea. Teacher, professor, you know, no. good, good. Well, that's a funny thing. You know, you say that. That's a funny thing. I remember, I, so I, I loved school and I went to summer school because then I could stay down and go surfing all the time. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, uh, and when I, so I, I was ready to graduate college in like the end of my junior year. So I went to my, uh, to my counselor and I said, so, you know, what, what, sh- what, you know, what can I do with a, you know, with a BA in English? And she said, well, you could teach. <laughs> <laughs> the look on my face, she must hear. She goes, "Well, what do you want to do?" Yeah, you know? yeah. And I go, "I want to travel around the world and make lots of money and go surfing." She goes, "Well, why don't you get an MBA? Because you can write your own ticket." Yeah, I had no idea what an MBA meant, but yeah. like it sounded good to me, so I go, "Okay, let's do that." You know, so she so she signed me up, and I got I started I started graduate school my senior year, and then went for another year and got and got an MBA. But it really helped me, you know. Okay, um, can I MBA school. stands for Masters of business, masters of business administration. Okay, and what courses do you take for that? You take everything from accounting to uh, to calculus. So it's a business degree. It's a business degree. You're supposed to theoretically be able to like come in then and get a job in some junior executive level of you know how to do everything. Mm -hmm. You know marketing, you know sales, you know accounting, you know production, you know you know, you need you you know, all of the different aspects of of business that you that you're studying. But you know when you I was really young. I was a year younger than anyone else would have started because I was, you know, I I started my my you know my senior year in school. 
I didn't, I didn't really know. I mean, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't paying attention to it. In fact, the guy, the average age in my, in my graduate school was 35. It was all these VPs and, and, you know, trying to become presidents and, and colonels trying to become generals and, and captains trying to become admirals and all going to the know, same school, all going to, to the school I was in. So yeah. like these guys are like 35, 40 years old. I'm like 19. Because that's, you know? that's usually what happens is they go get real work experience, exactly. but then they want to climb the corporate ladder and they go back. My wife's going back to school yeah. for the same, so same you, reason. You know yeah. that story. And, and the thing is, is that, is that when you're my, you know, I mean, it was like, uh, there was a funny one time we, were, we, we had this, we were taking this part of the course, it was cash flow. Mm. I could not freaking get, grasp it. Cash, cash flow. flow. I go, you know, I, I was, I'm listening. Yeah. I could not payables, someone, receivables, and having yeah, a buffer and raw material. Giving you money and not having to pay it back for three months. I was just going. That's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, right? <laughs> and so we're driving home, and I'm just going. You know, we're you know, talking a big one, and, I, and I'm talking to my two friends. And I go, I don't get it. I go, cash flow. I go, you know, I don't get it. I go, you know, you give them the lid, they give you the cash. The cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to, right? You know, analyze it. Yeah. Go, no, 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 that's not what they're saying. I go, well, then I don't get it. You know? Yeah. You know, you're telling me that someone is going to give you money and then you don't have to pay them back yeah. for like 90 days? That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Financing. I, I couldn't get yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't grasp it. I go, who's going to do that? Who's there's ever pay there's back different kinds later? of cash flow. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It doesn't so. flow as quickly. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes right? it flows too quickly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I brought up, you know, the teaching aspect because, I mean, typically, yeah, if you're an English major, but the, the, the schedule, yeah. you know, it's perfect right. to, you know, have summers sure. off, a lot of, you know. A lot of holidays. So, so I will tell you, I will tell you the story. You, you, you asked me, so how did I get into, into it? I'll tell you what happened. I was going, so I went to school and one of the things in the graduate school was that you got to go to, you, to a school in England. England? Yeah, because it was an international business uh, degree that I was getting and I wanted that because I wanted to travel so I figured well if I have that then like I can get a job other places like Hawaii or yeah, France yeah. or you know and then, Australia or wherever so you were <laughs> gonna take this master's the MBA but you didn't know what you wanted to do at all you just figured you'd get this degree so, and surf and, and yeah find and, a job somewhere no matter you, where and then you did this ab abroad so here's so here's what i figured out so one day i went into london the school was in university of sussex and so you take the train in it was like a you know hour-long train ride and you take the train into london and i went to you know to uh, the king's road which is like you know the where all the fashion stuff was and i and and in in england they have like a they have three weeks that are actually summertime you know, and so, and so this was then, and I was wearing, so I, yeah. so I was wearing this Hawaiian shirt, you know, that like, then we would buy, you know, for 50 cents at the thrift store, and, but it was, it was like, that's what surfers wore, that's what yeah. we wore, that's what, yeah. was, what was cool, right, so, you know, so I'm, 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 I walked the whole stretch, and I'm thinking, man, I've got to really hurry back and get my, it was the last train back, and you could have missed a train, or if you got stuck in, in London, you were like going to pay big money. There was no place to stay. You yeah. know? So you get back to the dorms. So I'm, I'm running down the, the, the stairs at the, at, at the Sloan Square tube station, and this guy stops me, and he goes, I'll give you 50 quid for this, that shirt. And that's a lot of money? And I went, and you know, he said, no, I'll give you 50 pounds sterling for that shirt. And I go, I know what 50 quid is, but what do you want my shirt for? He goes, you're from California, aren't you? I go, yeah. 
He goes, you're a surfer, aren't you? And they go, yeah. He goes, I want that shirt. So I'm thinking in my head now, like, this is, so this is something you guys, don't, I don't know if you remember, but there was a book then at that, in that era called Fromer's Europe on $5 a day. Huh. And the joke among students was is that if you were paying $5 a day to live in Europe, you're new. Like, what are you, a tourist? Like, you don't need $5 to, like, like live, you know, live like we live. So, I'm, so 50 quid, 50 pounds, was $125 then. So this guy was offering me $125 for a shirt that I just paid 50 cents for, right? So I'm calculating my head going, wait, $5 a day, like that's three months in Biarritz, right? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's, like, it's like July, I'm going, you know, August, September, October, prime surf months, Biarritz, I can live there for free to sell this shirt, right? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm flashing out. And so, so, the guy, so the guy goes, well, you know, I'll, I'll buy it from you right now. And I go, well, I'd love to sell it to you, but I'm trying to catch my train. I'm really late. I, you know, I don't have time. You know, I, I, I don't have another shirt. He goes, well, I'm giving you 50 quid. Buy another shirt. And I said, well, I got to get on the train right now. And I took the 50-pound note out of his wallet, and he held it up like this, and he goes, I'm giving you 50 pounds. I want that shirt. Take it off right now. Wow. Was he in a suited business dude? Like, yeah, he was a business dude. Yeah, and I rode home on that train for an hour with no shirt. <laughs> yeah, you did. Right? Why wouldn't you? And, and the whole time, though, I was thinking, I know what I'm going to do because at the end of your at the end of your master's, you have to write this thing called a master's thesis, which is what are you, how are you going to apply all the stuff you've learned? I'm going to import export Hawaiian shirts, whatever. I go, man, I know exactly what I'm writing on, on now. And I wrote my thesis on that. I came back to California. I went to every thrift store and, and, and every you know, Goodwill from, from San, you know, San, I mean, San, Santa Barbara to San Diego. And I bought every Hawaiian shirt I could find for You're kidding years. me. Put them in a big giant container. I shipped them to Europe. And for like four or five years, that's what I did. Wow. Shut the front door. Yeah. That is incredible. Kepi yeah. sold Hawaiian <laughs> shirts yeah. for a living. Yeah. And how yeah. and where did you <laughs> distribute them to other thrift stores over there, what, or what, just what? What all of a sudden became clear is that this thing's a lot bigger. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're that age. You think surfing is like something you do here, and no one else knows about it. It's our little Cosa Nostra. You know, it's our little thing. Like we're we're surfing know, we're, huge we everywhere. Secret thrill, right? Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the cover of Surfer that said the secret thrill, but that's what you know. That's what we all thought it was. You know, no one. Like, don't tell anybody about this thing. It's too cool. You know, it's too good. We don't want we don't want more people coming, right? Yeah. Wow. And uh, and so and so all of a sudden, I just realized, no, no, no. These people all know about this. And yeah. They want to buy this stuff, and and like they don't know that I'm getting it for fifty cents. And, you know, and and I, I I never sold another one for that price, but you could still sell them for ten dollars. Yeah. You know, buy them for fifty cents, sell them for ten dollars. I used to joke at all my friends who like. You know, were drug dealers because that's what everybody was doing. You know, to, to get yeah money. money. And I yeah. go, dude, I get a better markup than you, and I'm totally you don't legal. get busted for you it. Know? Yeah, um, were, you, were you throwing in Levi's? I know Levi's well, were so super. Soon, so soon, all that stuff started happening. I never did Levi's because they were kind of a um, they were their own separate deal. But I but I used to buy because um, the same places that the, the those stores you could buy. Base, baseball jerseys that mm. said New York Yankees. Yeah, you get ones that said UCLA. Anything like college sweatshirts they were crazy for me. Yeah, but I mostly stayed with with Hawaiian shirts because that was my deal. You yeah, know? and 
it made me like a special, you know, vendor or whatever. To yeah, anybody people. could go those, but so, you had to be. Yeah, you had to, you had to have the eye. What prints? So and, that yeah. weird exchange with an English person buying your shirt turned into your thesis and turned into a a business. Yeah. <laughs> so you graduated from Sussex College. Well, from, uh, from it was from Cal Western, but it was yeah. But I mean, I went to school there. I came back, and that was part of our. That was so. That was one. That was a semester of school that you went over there and you took international finance and you know all these different so international school um, yeah. classes. You know, um, but but yeah. So then I so then I kind of had that, and that allowed me. To go to Europe every year, allowed me to go to Australia, allowed me to go to... Seriously? You know, yeah, to, you know, I mean, I could, you know, I could... So my deal was I would go, I would I would sell all my stuff from, like, London, Amsterdam, Paris, then I'd go down to Biarritz, and I'd sell the rest of my stuff in Biarritz, and I'd surf in Biarritz all month of September into October till, till it started to get... Cool. The weather started to change, and then I'd go to Spain, and then wait, you know, and by the end of October, it was, like, getting cold there, and then go to Morocco... All through November, and then in December, come back to Paris. And here's, so here's a fun story, like, like you'll like. So this is this is why I say everything's changed, and like you know, doing this stuff not, it doesn't seem weird, but it's just compared to that, it's such a different world. Is we this was before any of the terrorist stuff happened, right? So airliners flew everywhere yeah. with nothing. Yeah, and you could so and and there were and there was no cell phones and there were no there was no way to communicate. So you had these little hubs and they were always American Express offices. Cuz that's where everybody exchanged their money mm-hmm. and everybody came and there was this whole wall of any American Express office you ever walked into in those days there was this big wall and it had everyone's notes pinned on it. So, you know, Jody, meet me at you know at, at the you know at the, at the Three Musketeers bar you know on on Tuesday. I'll be there you know. Wow. And like you know people so people come into town. They like you know they go up the wall. They find their you know their friends. Yeah. Have, you know they hook up right. So, so that's how they could communicate. That's how that's how you got to find your other friends. You Holy know? You shit! Went, yeah. Everybody had to go exchange yeah. exchange yeah. money, but that was a spot they would let you pin up notes. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So always there were people that were selling that wanted to sell their plane tickets in December because they wanted to get home early for Christmas. I didn't care about that. So, like, I would trade them my ticket for their ticket, which was later in, in you know, in, in December, and they would give me 50 bucks, and I'd stay in Paris for, like, two weeks. <laughs> on the on extra 50, 50 bucks, bucks. Right? And, like, have a great time, you know what I mean? And, and, so- and go to the museum and do all, you know, all the things you want to do and then go home for Christmas. And then... Right after Christmas, I go to Hawaii and surf for a month or two, and then come back to California, start buying Hawaiian shirts again. So that's freaking epic. This Hawaiian shirt dealing, you, you, I mean, it's a, it's crazy because you just 50, fell into it. The, yeah. right, the hundred, the fifty quid is one hundred twenty-five bucks, right? Yeah, it was then. Yeah, so that is so crazy, and like the light bulb just. Went bing, bing, and yeah. you're just like, wow, if this person pays 125 bucks, how many more? And even if you sold it for, like you said, 10 bucks, that's still exponentially yeah. the profit margin in that is exponential. Yeah. And you know where to find that. It's not like you're digging for gold right. somewhere. Right. You know, you're not like having to move in product excav- from excavate. A to B. You're just like, I just got to go to fucking thrift stores because yeah. they're. They're full of them. Yeah. And you buy them for a quarter and yeah. 50 cents. Yeah. So you did that, went up and down the coast, bought Hawaiian shirts. You said yeah. you filled a container. 
Yeah. Like you literally. Like I'd buy, you know, I'd buy like a thousand. Wow. And I'd make like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd net like seven or eight thousand dollars, which would see me through the year. Like, you know, so here's a, here's a, <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for a number of years. And, uh, and as your job, I, as my job. Yeah. Did, yeah. What did but your parents say? And they would surf the remaining of the nine months. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it's my parents so were fun. actually happy. My parents were actually happy that I was doing something entrepreneurial. Yeah. They, they, you know, both of my parents had worked kind of, I don't want to say government jobs, but you know, yeah. they worked, yeah. they worked nine to five for a thing. And they, they kind of, I think, I think that people that age were not as lame as we think. I think they really got that this was a great yeah. new opportunity. They never had. I remember yeah. asking my dad, like, cause you know how people always say now, you know, tell them, do it, do what you love and you'll be successful, yeah. you know? So like when I, when my dad was a depression guy, right? You know, he lived through the depression, my mom and dad. So yeah. like I, one day I said to my dad, so dad, when like you were looking for a job when you were first there, like, how did you decide like that it was the job you liked? It was a job. And my yeah. dad looked at me and goes, if it was a job, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an only child or did you have I'm an only child? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, it's so crazy to me how cool of a fucking like it, it was a hat it, it was a freak uh, accident that you right place at the right time upon yeah. a thing like that because you're yeah. wearing this shirt thinking you're cool you know i'm a surfer i'm a fucking wearing my aloha shirt this makes me a surfer right and some guy uh, randomly you don't know this guy he he says i want to buy your shirt for 125 bucks and then, you know, you're you're smart enough to go, whoa, like, this is something. Yeah. Like, I something I can buy, here. you know, a thousand of these things and make money. Yeah. And then you did it. Like, Was you it know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's really enterprising. And it's so <laughs> bitching that you, you know, you're like, dude, <laughs> what? What? if what? I can do it now, I could do it all the time. Was yeah. that first trip back with like a hundred or two like how many you know you that, a thousand yeah. dude yeah no i initially got there but yeah at first were a few hundred because like you got to kind of get take build it. yeah you can't take that much risk and yeah, yeah. you know build it i didn't have very much money either, or you know, yeah so. and well, capital dude, 50 cents a shirt <laughs> yeah but, but shipping logistics yeah. buying you know yeah. like there's a lot of other factors that go into it but you it know, was, you, you know and, and that was so, a really cool thing the people that i worked with because i was so young and so obviously out of my you know element Everyone always helped you, you know. They yeah. had, like all these people. That, that there was a company called the J Shipping Company, and I wish I could write them right now another thank you. That like you, know, cool. you guys were so cool because they they let me keep, like I wouldn't sell everything sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd have stuff, and they just go, "Yeah, you can leave it here till you know till next you know till till you come back." Yeah, and you know it was a place to so, store my stuff, and I mean just people were really really kind and and helpful. To did you come kid, up with a game know? plan like when you okay you came over here you. you you went and bought all the shirts and you like coming back to Europe. Did you have a game plan, a strategy? I'm going back to that same corner on the same part of the street <laughs> on the same break. And I'm going to, I'm going to just have shirts up. <laughs> well, like, first, first they were, first it was like all the really, first it was fashion. So it was London. First I was selling London, Paris, Amsterdam. That's where I would sell my stuff initially because that's on the where all street the, or no like, to the to the to the shops to the to the design shops to all the cool shops that were there. So you went into stores and say, "Hey, I sell these," and I instantly they they instantly wanted them. 
I mean, I had one, a guy named Perry de Monzi. He was a big fashion designer in, in, in England at the time. And he bought like three dozen shirts for me and to all, that had all his, his staff wear them. Because it was like that was like the coolest thing. Well, ever, you know? yeah. If you want to sell something, you want Gosh. your staff wearing the coolest. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what. But wants. slowly, like shops were opening up. Like you know, you, you guys probably know this, but surf shops hit like kind of a peak probably in the like maybe late eighties, where there was maximum number of shops, and after that, shops started falling off, falling away. There are yeah. not nearly as many shops now as there were then, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially not as many doors, like where people had same thing six, with the six. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the stores that and, you were talking and, about. And, and so then, at, at that point, they were just surf shops were just popping up everywhere. And all of a sudden, there's a new shop in you know Santander or in Mundaco or in you know um, um, you know wherever. And, yeah. You know Hazagor or you know just like every single beach town was suddenly like yeah. there was demand. But you weren't selling the Hawaiian shirts to surf shops. Yeah. Oh, you Everybody, were. Oh, yeah. I sold them. That's what I'm saying. It started out with the designers. Yeah. And then as surf as, populated, as things, as things turned out, that became more like the surf shops all wanted them. Yeah. You know? So, <clears throat> was this business just for Europe? No, I went to Australia and sold a bunch of Hawaiian shirts there and Japan. Um, and uh, dang, yeah, so I got So, got this it. business took you to Australia and Japan, too. Yeah, <laughs> Mandanka yeah. in Spain and Hawaii, and how, yeah. how freaking amazing is that? So, it was a fun, it was a fun time. I mean, it really was, and it was a, it was a wide open time because, again, you wrote letters in those days, yeah, right. So phone calls were too expensive. Yeah. There wasn't anything else. So you wrote letters. So no one could really, like now, if someone knew that, they could. They There'd could, be 10 people biting you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 10 people following me in that door instantly. Yeah. And they would be telling everybody where that, you know, they, and everyone would know where the shops were. Yeah. But like it was a very unique thing. And, and so the next step is as you're, you know, sort of taking it through is, is that, that that's how I got the job at Surfer was I wrote. I actually started working at Surf. I actually wrote a letter to the editor at Surfing Magazine, and I was, you know, writing very eloquent, like you know, and I was, it was a kind of a report about what was happening in 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 France, in the surf in France, and the editor took my you know, my dear, you know, dear Slick Slick was the guy's name who was the editor at that time off and ran my letter like a story with like pictures from France and stuff, and I went. Wow, maybe my writing career has still got a chance. You know? like, wow. Whoa, that was cool. And was that yeah. monetized in so a way I, where you're yeah, like, yeah? So I went back and um, and and again, it's just uh, how long? How long into your business is this? Probably about four years. So you've been doing this for four years. Yeah. And you've been going everywhere, Europe and yeah, Australia and Japan. Were you journaling, and you just thought like maybe some of these. Sound good for a story. A story. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, France was a place where it was. It was really romantic at the time. You know, like the surf. Like the, I mean, I won't even go into it. But, yes, we know. You know but, but, I've been you know, there. But but at, at that time, the the you know La Bar was still breaking. So La Bar was this was this break that was caused by they built a big jetty, big long jetty from the port of Bayonne, so that when ships came out, they could get they they wouldn't get hit by the waves. So there was only waves on one side of it. And they dredged it all the time, so it would ha- so that the ships would just go right out along the jetty and out to sea. And so the Labar was a setup where it was like it would it would start out like pretty far out, starting to break, and it was an easy drop in. 
and then it just kind of got faster and faster as it went on to the inside. It was a left, so like for me, it was, that was that was a good thing because it's hard to you know to do like Mundaku was really hard to get wired because it just stands up and just throws right. And you got to be on it. But this is like you get like six or seven bottom turns, and all of a sudden you got your rhythm backside, and you like, and then as it got faster and faster and faster, right when you thought it was going to close out, it just it just went into this deep water, just kind of like dissolved. Mm. And then you've got this this current pulling you back out, right? Mm. So like you're back in the lineup, Rad. like super quick, right? So it was an unreal wave. Yeah. And and everyone would be there, and there would be these, you know, at that time all the girls went topless, and there were all these beautiful little surf girls, you know, waiting for you. These pre leashes, so like yeah. you lose your board and bounce in. Here'd be these little girl, you know, these these 18-year-old sweethearts just like yeah. waiting for your board, you know, and you'd be thinking, am I, am I high? Yeah. You know? So, so. And, Die to go to heaven. And how you're kind of just, you know, just blown away. They're probably blown away. Like, yeah. oh, this American yeah. surfer is here, yeah, you they know? They loved and it. They loved it. They absolutely, you know, thought this was the coolest thing. So I wrote this story about all this stuff, you know, about where the breaks were, what, you know, September and, you know, in, in France and, you know, and people had come through, a lot of people had come through during that, the time when I'd met them. So, you know, Nat Young had come through and, and Billy and uh, they were, uh, Gilbert Freeman was filming a, a, a movie and they, you know, they, they filmed in France there. And so I had gotten to know a lot yeah. of people because there weren't that many people. Mm, yeah. I mean, surfing was still relatively you'd, small. You'd be there for a long period of time. I would be, yeah. I'd be there for like months, you yeah. know, um, every year. So... So anyway, they, they published that, and then, so when I came back, I thought, well, shoot, I'm going um, I'm gonna to go visit them, you know? Yeah. And Surf so magazine. I, surfing. It was surfing. Surfing at the beginning. Okay. And so they said, hey, you know, like, we really like, you know, your writing and stuff. Why don't you, and I mean, this is like, are you kidding? They, they really like my writing. They've written, they've written two things I've written, right? Yeah. But in those days, it was hard to find people who could write. And, sur and new surfing. Yeah. You know? And some so, outside of the, the contest or like the Hawaii, you know, like yeah. this is like more. There ain't no smart surfers that can put just, pen to paper. <laughs> but just, you're not writing about California. You know, you're writing about other exotic Places, locations yeah. that they're trying to yeah. Yeah, appeal to. So anyway, they said to me, um, why don't you cover this? They're, 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 um, they're going to have a, 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 Caton, a Caton team challenge contest. It was the first one. And, no way. The yeah, first one. Said, why don't you Why don't you cover it for us? Because there's all these guys coming from all these international places. So this is the first time that, like, you know, O'Neill had Sean and and uh, and and um, Ian um, Rick Curl had and Rick Curl had MR and uh, you know there were all the, all these guys from other places yeah, yeah. that were coming to the contest. So and I it was in up, Huntington. It was in Huntington, yeah. right? Yeah, right, right, right at the cliffs. And um, the cliffs was the first one. And and it was it was really trippy because um, I got to meet a lot probably. of those people. But I wrote this story, and it was like you know, California surfing had kind of been in a dark age because of localism. Yeah. So I mean, it was everything was black wetsuits and white surfboards, and don't you know, don't come to my breaker, we'll throw stones at you. You know, and never take a picture. And if you do talk about it, don't ever name the place. Like you can just say you know, Southern California. Yeah. Right. And so. So it was just kind of like, and now all of a sudden, all these other places were having all this cool stuff happening, you know, and and so, so I wrote this. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but Surfing Magazine, did you get a job like uh, or freelance? Oh, I, got, I got it. Yeah, it was a free, it was a freelance, freelance. assignment. Okay. Yeah. So I wrote this thing, and 
because of what it was and because it was like real positive about California's on its way back. You know, California's like returned to like the, you know, to the Mecca and, and, and it's bringing all the international like, sensation. like everybody loved that. Everybody in California had been waiting for somebody to say, we're cool again. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're not, you know, we're not just the backwater where, you know, where everybody beats each other up because, you know, and, and, you know, and all, and all those guys were wearing like bright wetsuits and logos and, you know, MR and Sean and what a PT and, you know, PT had a pink surfboard and, and a rabbit, you know, was like, you know, they were all super colorful characters, yeah. right? And, 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 and cool guys. And, uh, and, were the and waves were, good too? The waves were really good, okay. luckily. The waves were like overhead and just pumping and Sean, I remember Sean got a barrel that like, I don't think anyone's ever gotten as deeply tubed at, at at Huntington Beach yeah. before, you know, I remember the crowd just went crazy. But um, in the event, it was it was so then. The, so this article was well received. It was really well received. Everybody loved the idea. It put you on the map. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it put me on the radar for Surfer Magazine. And so Steve Pesman, who was running Surfer at the time, he was the editor and publisher at Surfer at the time. Um, I don't even know how we got to talk about it, but he said, you know, I've always wanted to do this thing called the Surf Report. Now, again, you got to remember that this is long before. Yeah, I remember the Surf Report. Yeah. Yeah. So I started that. That's, I, I started it's that. It's the guy the jumping out of the boat, right? Like, yeah. that's the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it. so Crazy. it was like, they, they, he said, what we want to do is like get people to write reports from all over the world about what the surf is like. And then we'll make this little, you know, this little booklet and we'll, you know, and people will subscribe to it like they subscribe to Surfer. And he knew that I'd been traveling. So I go, yeah, okay. So I started writing to all my friends in all these different places, right? And I had also been in the Caribbean for like a little bit on a way back from, from, um, from, from uh, Europe. I, I stopped in the Caribbean yeah. and, and surfed so I knew some friends there. And, you know, then it was really easy to make friends. I mean, if you were a surfer, everybody, you would talk to each other. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just Can I hear you somewhere else. else. Real yeah, quick. yeah. We selling drugs on the side too? No. I, 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 you know, I, yeah, plenty I, of your friends doing that. Yeah. Were you, was it just hula shirts? <laughs> um, well, no, that's what was so funny about it is, is that those guys had to smuggle everything. You know, yeah. I just declared. Yeah. Know, here's my box. Here's what's in it. You know, open it up. Yeah. Definitely. All you're gonna see is some flowers. <clears throat> now, I, just, well, I wouldn't say I never, used, I never used any of them, but I, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, that was a different story. You know, um, but also in those days, like. Especially in Europe, uh, well, especially in France and Spain, you, you, you could get in big trouble. You go to jail for, for weed, and, yeah, and hash, yeah, hashish, for hashish. You yeah, know? yeah. So I kind of steered clear of like, you know, carrying stuff or having anything like that and getting into that whole deal. Yeah. But uh, sorry for interrupting. But no, it's all right. So it's the surf right. report. So so that got me in, and then and then Steve kept like not getting his part done. And so I'd drive all the way up from San Diego and I'd have all these things. Okay, I've got all these guys that have written me back now. And these things would take weeks because, like, you write a letter for a week and then it takes another week for it to come back. And, you know, so time was a lot slower then than it is now. It's not the real time thing that you watch. Like, you know, like like when when Matt Young and and those guys went and McTavish went to Honolulu Bay to surf shortboards for the first time. It was literally months before those photos even showed up in the magazine. Months. Let alone like got into you know to the East Coast or to you know what I mean to yeah. other places. It was just like it was you'd go for like a half a year between when something happened and it actually began to take hold in the in in the you know the culture. Yeah. And and so it's, again so different than now. Like now it's like instantaneous. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, 
you know, you, you don't you don't send somebody something that's already all over the, the internet. You, know? you just kind of yeah. have to close your eyes and think it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tre- trends like we talk about fast fashion, and it's like trends used to last, you know, a good couple of years or yeah. or even longer, depending. You know, yeah. and now it's like you're lucky if it lasts six months to a year. It's already like just boom, uh, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. So. So he offered Internet. me a job. Basically, uh, Steve said, "Hey, you know, why don't you come, you know, be my associate editor?" And and that was that was funny too because I remember, you know, kind of like in those days, you always wanted to kind of not pretend like you weren't that interested, you know? Yeah. Maybe you didn't want to let go. Oh yeah, please, yeah. you know? Yeah. With desk oh, job, hanging yeah, out, play cool. Yeah. 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 So I said, you know, I'll, uh, I'll I think about think it. about it. And he goes, "Okay, well, think about it over the weekend, and then like, you know, let's touch base on." Do you ask what the pay it. was? So I'm driving home. Oh yeah, and I'm driving home, and I'm, the first thing I'm thinking is, God, I just got the job of my dreams. Like that's so crazy. Doesn't he know I do this for free? You know, like they're <laughs> gonna pay me. Like, yeah. you know, editor, surfer, are you kidding? And then I thought, oh my God, what if somebody comes in? You know, he's looking for someone. What if someone comes in between now and like the end of the, end of the weekend? So the whole weekend I was stressing. Right? <laughs> I was just like, oh, please, don't. You know? I mean, nine in the morning, I'm just sitting there with like, you know, just ready to dial, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, because he's going to tell me he found somebody already. What an idiot. Like, yeah. that's the girl you were supposed to go out with and you said, I'll think about it. Come on, now she's got a boyfriend. Come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, anyway... He said, yeah, well, okay, you want to come? Come on up, you know? So I started working there. and uh, Was the pay and, good? Well, the pay was the, the pay was steady. That's the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, that's the difference between having a job and, and being in business. In business, it's like, you know, I'd go for six months, I wouldn't see any money, yeah. you know? And then, you know, then you have a bunch, and then you're carrying around a wad, and you don't really like that either, you know yeah. what I mean? Because But you were making a good fucking living. Yeah, no, I was making your plenty own. of money. Yeah. I'm making plenty of money to live. I mean, you know, again, in those days, like you lived in your van, you, you know, you had a yeah, you know, lower head, you're, beach, yeah. not, you're a nomad, nothing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it wasn't like I was, I was, you know, uh, rolling in it, but, um, but nobody wanted to, yeah. you know, um, we just wanted to all surf and, and, and so it was good, it was good money and it was, and it was every two weeks, you know, so that was great. And, and then I just started meeting everyone because the, the thing about surfer, particularly in those days, it was like the most powerful place entity in, in, in surfing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it the surfer came out way before surfing. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, actually there, there, there were, there were other magazines. It's, it's funny. There's a whole history of like surf magazines, but surfer was the one that sort of like always had the, the, it was the New York times, you know, it yeah. was the, it was the time magazine. It they had all the, the best photographers on lock. Like they yeah, worked with. And, and, and it just had the style of, of it, you know. Yeah. It was the one everyone wanted to more mature. Like, wanted to be with, you yeah. know what I mean? Wanted to wanted to work for. Um, but that didn't make surfing very happy with me because I kind of you know jumped ship, so to yeah. speak, you know, because I'd been writing for them. Uh, I, I then I started getting a lot of stuff with writing a lot with surfing magazine. I did the free ride review and uh, you know a wow. lot of different things um, in those days. But but anyway, I got a job there, and and then you know you start meeting everybody. You start meeting everybody, you know. And all and, the brands and, and yeah, and all the, and all the, and, all the yeah, yeah, all the guys, you know, and you interview everyone, and everyone wants to be your best friend because you know, you put them they on the cover, the it's like there's yeah, you know, their 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 career is made, you yeah, know? yeah. And and then it was like everyone was struggling to try to make a living because there was no you know, there wasn't there wasn't even a pro circuit, 
Yeah. You know, the Pro Circuit didn't come along until, you know, another year or something. And, and, uh, and then it was like, you know, a card table and a thousand bucks, you know, and wow. like, you know, six guys that, you know, they picked out when you, they had the, when the very first pipe masters is a funny story. The very first pipe masters, Jerry, of course, was like expected to, to, to win. win. Cause he was yeah. like the, the king. Right. Yeah. And so Corky Carroll was in it. Corky was a goofy foot. And so they, Corky will deny this to this day, but Corky, so, so they were, they were, they had a whole but they were waiting and Jerry came down in the morning and Corky said, so is it on? And Corky goes, I don't think it's going to be held today. And he knew it was on. He told Jerry that. And Jerry went home. <laughs> so the reason that Jerry didn't win the first one, I heard, I heard this. Did you hear about <laughs> no. this? Yeah. I forget who told me, but I, I heard that, yeah, Jerry thought that the contest was off and left and they held it and yeah. he never got to surf the first. Yeah. And that's when Jerry came back and bought a house at Pipeline. So he never had to leave ever again. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. What's well, crazy to learn about him in that movie, the, the yin yang, uh-huh. he didn't start until fucking college. Yeah. He didn't start surfing until college. Yeah. Until he was like 18. And he started surfing in California, not Hawaii. How weird is that? Wild. <laughs> Wild. Really my favorite job. Just because it was everything that I liked doing. Writing, you know, I got to surf. Um, I got to meet all the people and all the business people, and um, you know, it was a really great job. And I was there for about, I think, about eight years. So, when, did you have an office there, and and yeah. everyone would just come see you, yeah. and then it, it isn't, you know, again, it's like it, it isn't, even, it wasn't even like this later in 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 Surfer and the magazines kind of existence because they got to the point where they were so busy and they had so much stuff going on but then it would just be if anyone came to california or came down from north or came up from san diego or whatever they just came to surfer and you know we did a lot of our work after five o'clock because we couldn't get anything done in the, in the middle of the day <laughs> people are in an owl bothering you and they're like going hey can you take me in the back and get a you know and get a, a magazine that has my cover on it you know and yeah then and then it's like you know trestles is really good let's go surf trestles you can't go no 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 i'm too busy you know so well, you have the job well plus plus <laughs> plus like we had the pass we had a we had a press pass where we could park a church so we just drive in the military base and it was really funny because Corky and I worked together. When I became the publisher of the magazine, um, I was responsible for, you know, all all the advertising as well as the editorial. And so Corky would say, "Call him up, tell him we'll take him serving at Trestles, and we'll park it, we'll, we'll park at church." But not, so yeah. like you know, they'd come down, they park at the at the magazine, they get in, in, into Corky's van, we drive down, I'd flash the pass, they'd salute us, we'd go down, park in the parking lot, go up. Take them like surfing for two hours at Trestles, nobody around. Not, I mean, it wasn't very crowded. Yeah. You know? And when we come back, we would just take out the 12 point, 12 time contract, right? Yeah. And what they, what were they going to do? Yeah. You know? You're and locked so, in, bro. You yeah. know? We just gave you the ride of your life, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> Pez would always be going, God, you guys, you know, you're never here. You're, and and of course he'd be going, we sell way more ads down at yeah. Mowers than we ever sell in the, office. Know, the office. We're mixing yeah, business with pleasure. Yeah, you know, it's still snug. We, we got the contract. A little stuffy know? in here. Beach is like Pesman. Read it and we... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that's, so that you know, fun. I mean, other industries, whether you're a golfer, you know, you go yeah. out and, you know, like yeah, other right. hobbies and other sports. Yeah. And Imagine 
that that office and the who's who of the world of the industry the culture walking in and out of there every single day yeah it was really fun it was really really I fun mean, and, wow and from that. all over the world you know people would come and uh and we started you know i i i pushed Pez into starting up the, the, the surfer pool again. So they'd done the surfer pool, and then for like, when, when, when Steve took over, he didn't really like to public speak and stuff like that. So, you know, in, in, he stopped it. And it had been really this big deal, you know? Yeah. And then it wasn't there, and I just said, Steve, this is like, this is like our, our Goodyear Bloom, man. This is like our, we're the Academy Awards, like everything. You know, this is what the whole yeah. thing, we got to do it, we got to do it, we got to do it. You'd be going, what year was this? That was uh, 77. Wow. Yeah. So they had Surfer Pole from 60, previously. From 62, I think, maybe they started it, to like, to like 71. And who was the publisher? John Severson. Severson. So Severson started the magazine, and then he sold it in 71. He started in 60. And sold it in '71 for what then was like a huge amount of money, but it isn't anything now. You know? Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But you know, in '71, that bought you a house on Maui, a house in Tahiti, and you know enough money to live on. <laughs> it's insane. You know, so like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like it was like it'd be like it'd be like probably like eight million dollars now. So crazy. Dollars now. Damn. Inflation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, and, you know, it isn't even that. It's so hard to tell what things are because it's just what does something buy. Yeah, it isn't necessarily that it's completely equal to something else. It's just like, well, for that amount of money, this is what you could get then. So how much is that worth now? Well, it sounds like a ton of dough, but you know, it's just what you could buy with yeah. it. Like I was saying, is yeah, the like cost of could, living and and yeah. just what you can't put a price on what you had then, though. No, no, no. Well, I, I, I mean, my my dad still lives in the house we we grew up in, and it's just you know half a mile from here. And I'm like, you paid twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> like, why didn't you buy four of them? He's like, we. Didn't, we made half of that. We made right. like fourteen grand a year, you know, right. or twelve right. or something exactly. like that. And the like, interest was fifteen uh, percent. You know, it's <laughs> you know, but yeah, in perspective, it's like, well, you know, he yeah. killed it at that yeah. time. And plus, like you know, the, the, your dad, I'm sure too, but I mean, my dad, it came out <laughs> of depression. Yeah, they yeah. weren't about to take any risks. It was like, oh, <gasps> getting me. a job, yeah. getting a paycheck every day, and working until you could retire, and that was like. Super success, yeah. Like, you know, like man, we're done. And well, I was American like, Dream. I think, well, you know, they had a point about that. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't have what they like. They were sad when they got done. You know what I mean? When they got to be yeah. know, retirement age, they were just like, everything's good. You know, house paid off, got a pension, got a, you know all that stuff. It's like nowadays, it's just like whoa. <laughs> all those social security ain't gonna do it. You yeah. know? No, <laughs> no. And they didn't rely on social security back then, really. No, either they, it was the they, pensions, yeah, and yeah, it was pensions. just savings. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So both my parents had that, so they were they were set, you know. But uh, anyway, about the the magazine, it was just a great great uh, place to work, and I uh, I eventually, you know, wanted to make more money because it didn't it didn't pay that well. Yeah. You know. Can I can I ask you though, like, working for a magazine sounds so foreign because it's like such a weird business because it is a business, but like what you do writing and like photography and articles it's like it's not any other kind of business you know what it's i mean true. it's true it's, it's such a is a strange strange thing and one of the things that's funny because i mean i became the publisher there after like three years right and people would always ask me how did you do that you know and i'd say well here's the deal like i had the weirdest 
set of like talents or skills or whatever. I go. I, I was an English major, so I could I could write. I had an MBA, so I knew about business. And I've been surfing for 20 years. I go, at that time, that was the weirdest combination anyone could have ever had. There was another person on the planet yeah. that had an MBA and an English degree and had been surfing for 20 years. That was like unheard of, yeah. right? So, but it was perfect for that job. Yeah. Right? It was like, I, I, knew, how to, I, knew, I knew how to keep the books. I knew how to, uh, what advertise, I knew how much it costs to print the magazine and how much advertising we needed to do yeah. with that, how much each ad needed to cost in the, you know, per page. I knew how to get the you know the articles done and the photography done and all that stuff, and I knew what I, and I knew the business. I knew what the subject was. Yeah, you know, yeah. really, really well. And what's funny too that probably really helped you with your confidence and your like ability to to run a magazine to become a publisher is you traveling and buying your own hula shirts and selling them on your own. Like all that experience and his traveling abroad. I mean, you unknowingly become so much more like smart. Yeah, you learn and you learn, you learn survival skills <clears throat> to the point where like you're not intimidated by too many things. Yeah, you know, like you problems know. don't phase you. You yeah. just go, oh, you see a problem, you go, oh, how do we fix that or yeah. how do we get around that? Yeah, yeah but uh, I mean, the magazines, <clears throat> there's a formula like you're mentioning. Like, you know, we got so many advertising pages versus editorial and how that balances and and in yeah. our industry like brands come and go hey brands hot coming out of the market all the money goes and then yeah. six months later didn't work out and they're down you know you're always yeah. trading and filling in spots and and For trying sure. to try you know yeah. obviously you have the staple brands that are gonna you know but sign you, know who those are. you never you know, know. No one i mean like 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 bob and i were friends before we were either of us were in what we call the surf industry now. You know, yeah. one of the things about the surf industry is we kind of, you know, people ask me, well, how did the surf industry happen? I can say, we kind of willed it into existence. Yeah. <laughs> because we, and we were not competitive because everyone wanted everyone to succeed yeah. because Brotherhood. it meant you might succeed too. Yeah. Like if this was all, like if those guys were successful and this was happening, then like what you were doing could be successful yeah. and happening. Yeah. And and all we wanted to do is figure out how to work because we didn't want to be no one wanted to be surf bums at that point, right? Yeah. Everyone realized we, have, we have to work. We're not we're not gonna be those guys that like are, you know, hanging at the beach, you know, and yeah. we, we wanna work and we're and we're and, and we're we, we have the skills, but we don't want to give up surfing. Yeah. So how do we do that? Well we create this thing. Yeah, and not that we did create it, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like you, you, everyone was working to make it work. Well, having the insight, <laughs> having the insight to that, if you guys didn't do it, somebody else from outside was going to come in and do right. it. Because as people look at it as like, you know, this is a lifestyle, this is a sport, this is whatever. There's money to be had, just like here's, selling here's anything. A, but like, it's so funny when you were saying that. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, holy shit, like. The industry wasn't an industry yet when you were at Surfer Magazine. No. Like, you started when? Yeah, I started 70? when in 77. 77. Yeah. Quicksilver, he just got the licensee in 77 yeah. or 76. Yeah. So do you, know, do you know how he got the license? Yeah. Uh, you, you know that story, Hackman right? ate the doily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It yeah. said, buzz, buzz, we got it. Yeah. So, I'm in. Like, what? Yeah. Taking <laughs> one for the team. But, like, paid off. Here you are. Working for a magazine, which is a legitimate business on surf culture, surf industry, and like 
Billabong's wasn't Billabong Billabong even around yet? No, it was just Australia. Just Australia. Rip Curl and um, Quicksilver were pretty much the yeah. the two brands. You had Hang yeah. Ten, you had Jansen, and you know the but they were like all, OP. The, all those guys were kind of out bolt out. You know, bolt bolt came bolt yeah bolt. I think bolt came. I'm trying to think seventies, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was, but it was a mostly a, it was a it was a surfboard brand before it was a clothing, clothing, clothing yeah. brand, you know. And so Jerry and Jack. They did really well with the surfboards, and then and then when you know when when it became a, a clothing um, brand with Duke Boyd, Duke Boyd had started Hang Ten, and then he'd sold it and made a lot of money, and then he saw their brand and just he knew what the power of those two little feet were. Yeah, and he saw the bolt and just went. Here's another. That's, that's it. That's man. it. That's yeah. Here's good. another icon to build a yeah. brand around. And to this day, I mean, I went to the um, Visla did a, um, a surfboard art. Oh, you went and to that? that? Yeah. Did you see it? Did you go to it? No. I didn't go to it, but I it, saw it. It was unbelievable. But here's what's the timeline. No, it was it was guys making art on surfboards. Oh, okay. So they had this contest, yeah. and all these guys made surfboards with all this incredible art that they put on it of different kinds, and it was it was actually pretty spectacular. Nice. I mean, it was last like Saturday night or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I got FOMO. I was in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <too bad. laughs> yeah. Um, but but uh, but one like. Uh, Lightning bolts are still a a symbol. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's. Just, I'm a big fan of Jerry Lopez. <laughs> right. right. I mean, it just it it's yeah. just it was iconic symbol logo. Yeah. Iconic yeah. symbol. Like there are very few of those. You know, like unfortunately the Nazis, you know, took the one that they have, but that's one of the great symbols in the world. And oh yeah. Like, yeah. You know the the Hopis and and Navajos owned it. You know they had it. They, they used it yeah. as one of their symbols. And you know, there's not many the cross. The, you know, but there's not many. Yeah. And the bolt was just an absolutely brand new one that was just like you said, totally iconic. Yeah. And and. Uh, but those guys, you know, all those guys who were working then, none of us were making very much money, but we knew it was out there. We knew yeah. it was growing. You know, you could feel it growing. And, and OP was one of the first people to, like, really take it to... OP is the one that talked all the surf shops into carrying clothing. Before that, before OP, surf shops sold wax and surfboards. Maybe leashes. Yeah. Leashes weren't even really in yet, but I mean, you know, that that's the stuff they had. And maybe they sold wetsuits. And they were, you know, I mean, some sold, you know, but that was it. Yeah. There was nothing else, and they absolutely refused to do it. And Jim Jinx showed them how much money they could make. Yeah. And he just said, just try these things. And he put stuff in everybody's on wheels. Just, and Jim like, Jinx try these. came from Hanson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Hanson was, was one part. of his investors. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so wild. The the was it the businessman or lawyer that was with Hans? Yeah. Or wasn't he part of it too? Yeah, driver was his name. Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fascinating yeah. that like so, you know like such yeah. a small world, but those all were independently doing their own things. But yeah. they were, you know, it's like a tree that has all these branches, right? But yeah. you know, they were taking risks, started you know putting money in a brand, but they weren't giving up their their day job, their their surf shops or their other businesses. Yeah. But it just blew up. Because yeah. shops like Hanson sold their own T-shirts, right? Yeah, their that's own shop T-shirts. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what that's what started the sort of the, the the surf apparel is is that most of those like when you got when you got a T-shirt for free, it was because you were on the team. Yeah. So like 
then you wanted to buy one even if you weren't on the team yeah. because you wanted to like be that. Yeah, right? yeah. You want to be that cool guy that was on the team. And so there was this huge demand. And then all of a sudden there were these people making stuff like that. And, yeah. and it was it was ours, you know what I mean? Because back it, then in the early clothing, surf clothing industry, it was like Janssen's, which was like a sportswear company, right? Yeah. And then Hank Ten came after that. Hank Ten was really the first one that understood surfing from the inside because Duke was actually surfed. He wasn't a great surfer, but he actually surfed. Jansen and and Catalina and Laguna and there were a whole bunch of people who swimwear. Were, were swimwear companies. Yeah. And they saw the surf thing and they tried to jump on it. But if you look back on those ads and they had like you know the jackets and the matching shorts. Yeah. And this is like, oh my God. I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it definitely I, was cool, but it I wasn't what the, the trends were coming from the core market. Surfers yeah. never thought that stuff was right. cool. Like they're and they're Jansen, wearing what a dumb name. Like yeah. I don't know. Well, that's a it's a that, that clothing company is a hundred and now probably a hundred and thirty years old. Still around. It's still around. Wow. Yeah. And doing well. But Hank Ten was like huge, right? Hank Ten. Got I mean, really it was big. Levi's Hank Ten shorts and whatever surf shop, yeah, or just yeah. a plain or white tee. You know, Penny's white tee with a pocket. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Penny's. And kit blue kids. Yeah. Like these only like you know with lace up. Yeah. And, uh, and and yeah, that was that four uniform, you know. Yeah. And then and then if you were and then if you were lucky, you had a Hawaiian shirt, you know. Yeah. That came a little later, though. Um, you know, sort of in the sort of in the psychedelic era, of, you know. In this yeah, that, they, there was definitely that, you know, free spirited psychedelic, and then there was like the James Dean like surfer dude, you know, yeah. like yeah. like you know, yeah. yeah, would throw on a, you know, Hawaiian shirt, but you know, would wear you know kind of your slick bag jeans and a shirt and yeah, and the, yeah. And, the, and, the, and the and the blue windbreaker. You know that blue. Uh, there was a, there was one that did, had like little little members uh, only. Yeah, like that, like that, like that. Yeah, you know. No, I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, the like the uh, Harrington jacket. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the with the cuff. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I want to see that jacket again. Oh yeah, is it, would, is it yeah. kill it? I swear to God, it would kill it. Is it kind of like a service with a bomber like cuff, like a more of a, a little bit, a little like bit. Like James Dean and Steve McQueen. Yes. used to okay, wear yeah, those yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, I mean that's that's. That style and stuff like that is oh, so iconic timeless. and timeless, and it keeps kind of like popping yeah. in and out. We're talking yeah. about how fucking cool Robert August and Mike Henson were. Uh, Dude, yeah. they were like the epitome of like cool, sophisticated surfing. Yeah, Air- they should have got royalties from all the airlines for all the surfers <laughs> like that started, yeah. you know, exploding onto the scene, traveling the world. Yeah. Um, so you worked at Surfer, became publisher. Like within three years, you said. Yeah. And what does the title mean? You know. So like, so the, the it would be like like what what you look at there, the 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 publisher is like a president, so they oversee all the divisions. So there's there's four divisions in a in a in a magazine system. There's circulation, um, there's advertising, there's editorial, and there's subscriptions. So each of those things are. You know, are, are handled and by 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 an editor or an advertising director or a circulation director, etc. And the publisher oversees all of those de- all of those departments hmm. and, and acts like the, the CEO, I guess. Is yeah, probably better a better term for it. Um, so you were that for three. So after three years. Yeah, yeah. Huge accomplishment. Um, well, again, like I said, it's just because it's just such a weird combination of things. Yeah. And I had a really good teacher in Pez. He taught me everything. And then for a year after they decided that they were going to do this, 
because we were we were starting new magazines. So they started skateboarder, and then you know, and then snow, and the snowboarder, yeah. and you know, and powder. So Pez was getting moved up to be the 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 the, the overall guy for all those magazines. So they needed to have a new publisher, and I was. You know, it was either me or Corky, and they weren't going to pick Corky, so. <laughs> Poor Corky. I don't know, he's got some good writing skills, too. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Corky's it's corner. Funny. Yeah. God, you go, you guys, I, I can tell you Corky stories all day long. I bet, dude. Yeah, really. What a, tell him, stories. we've been hunting him down, and, what, you know. What, what a personality yeah. that guy is, right? Absolutely. We had a lot of fun together, you know. We were pretty crazy. And, and uh, but we had a lot of fun. He's still fun. We still, when, when we see each other, we still yeah. have fun together, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, and he was a great surfer. You know, yeah. he really was. He was a yeah. really good surfer, even in his, in his, you know, even now. I mean, I think he's now he's he's stand up paddle, but he rides waves on him. Yeah. You know, which I, you know, I can ride the waves on a stand up, but I can't get out. Mm. Yeah. The waves are any more than like about like, rocks waist yeah. high, like it, it hits. You know, you, I can't punch over yeah. standing up and like you know. I don't know if you guys. You do need that har- harbor. Yeah. You need that deep water. <laughs> oh, channel. I love that. Yeah, I do that. I can do that all day long. You know what I mean? But like just. Punching through is so, it takes a lot of skill of a particular kind that like you just got to practice yeah. and I don't have the patience for it anymore. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I had to learn snowboarding and that was enough for me, man. Like, you know, I was like too late in life. Like yeah. I, I have to learn to, I have to learn a whole new thing and be a kook again for a year. You know, I don't <laughs> want to do that, you know. <laughs> so, so publisher, how, how long did you work at Surfer? So I was at Surfer for, uh. Just just about ten years, uh, nine nine years and something and yeah. change, and um, and then I I, uh, I see you, you you make good money, yeah yeah oh no I mean but you, you know, but you said you jumped to go make more, more. like it I, wasn't when 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 I started my I saw I started an advertising agency of my own oh wow and when I did that um, because as a publisher all the all all the people Quicksilver Billabong O'Neill. You know, Rip Curl, whoever, all all of the all of the brands, they all want you to give them advice because you're sitting at the switchboard. Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing everything. You see all the ads that come in. You see what works. You see what don't work. You see, you know, you see the reaction from the you know from the audience. And it was such a tight little thing. It was like they were trying to sell the surfers still at that point. Yeah. So it was really important to understand what worked and what didn't work. What was good. What you know what to do. And so. You know, when you're the publisher, you're doing that for free. So the moment that I left, I could start getting paid. You know, and you have nine people that pay you, you know, uh, one tenth of what you know. Yeah. Of it. And like all of a sudden, you're making way more than you were making just you know on a regular salary, right? You just you're you're. I mean, I tripled my income the moment I left. What a trip! So you saw an opportunity to help these guys, but get paid for it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Now, exactly. were these brands? They had their own marketing teams, right? Sure. Coming up with their own campaigns and Absolutely. ads. But it would help the intel that you had working for magazines because you saw whatever, like yeah. the data, yeah. and know how to market. Right. And, and they were... And they were what would you call your um, advertising firm? Super's World. What is it? Surfer's world. <laughs> um, Keep it simple. You know, um, but, but, uh, so I did that and then Transworld, after a couple of, just a couple of years, Transworld had started skate, skate, Transworld skateboarding. Mm-hmm. 
And they had done really, really well because the only magazine before that was Thrasher. And the skate, all the skate manufacturers were afraid that that was gonna, that was gonna destroy the industry because moms wouldn't want their kids to skate. Because it was so hardcore and it was so down and dirty, right? They wanted Wait, a Thrasher clean, or Thrasher. Okay. So they wanted a clean magazine, and they went to and they went to Larry Baldwin and said, "Hey, if you start a magazine, we will all advertise in it." So the hardest thing about starting a magazine is getting advertisers. But yeah. they were right? already but on board all, before the it even the industry all came together and just said, "You do a magazine, and we will support it because we don't want we want it to have you know a we want it to be cleaner, you know. How funny! And so instantly it was a success. And once you had the advertising, then you could get the distribution and you could go all, you know. And so it had grown, and they wanted to start snowboarding magazines. So what what, what did Trans World have first? Like what skate? Skate. That was it. That was For it. The first maybe six or eight. Years. And then snowboarding came on, and then surfing came. Yeah. Like so. so I didn't know that. Started. I thought I thought Trans World was snowboarding before skateboarding. I, no, personally, no, I don't. Was, yeah, I knew surfing count came on because a lot of my friends, you know, kind of. Transworld Surf was way later, but yeah. that's what but I mean. Yeah. They like they came Christo on, yeah, yeah. All the guys came on yeah. there late, yeah. but like they were already established, like a media giant, you know. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't know it started with skateboarding. What a trip! So they were really successful, but they didn't really know anything about publishing. So they so they called me and asked me to come down and talk to them. And this was only a couple of years after I'd left left Surfer, you know. So like it was. Um, and they said, We're, we want to start this new snow, snowboarding magazine, but we really don't know too much about publishing as such. Would you consider you know, doing that for us? And, and I said, sure, that sounds really fun. You know, um, something Was new. your business good? Your surface yeah. world? Yeah. And, and in fact, they bought it. Oh, that wow. was one of the part of part of the part of the deal was, well, you know, buy my company and then so we'll, you could and still... we'll make all these, we'll make all the ads for these guys. Because all these new companies that are in snowboarding, they don't know about you know, how to do any of this either, right? So we got we'll 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 work that in, and we and, and so we started it, and you know, like the first thing I did is say, well, where are you publishing? And they said, oh, we're publishing up in, you know, in, in Corona. And I said, you mean you're you're publishing in California? And they go, yeah. I go, well, that's the first thing you got to do is, you know, go back to Bowling Green, Kentucky, man. That's where the printing presses are. That's where the, that's where everybody prints, you know. Is and the reason for that is not because it's cheaper so much there in terms of the printing, but when you look at a map, like if you look at at FedEx or any of those places, they all have they, centrally they all, located. It's the hub, yeah. Because from there, easier it's, to it's, ship it's across equal, the world. Equal, or country. Yeah, exactly. If you're in California, everywhere is a long ship, yeah. right? Except for where right where you are. Yeah. There, it's like every place you can get to really, really cheaper too, and, and yeah. yeah. So I so I moved us to, in, in that publishing and immediately like we saved a hundred thousand bucks you know like because the big rain on Campy well the <laughs> way the the way I mean you can print anywhere but it's the transportation and the yeah. weight and yeah, you know like exactly. the storage it's so crazy that's what you so, buy with experience right right and I mean you know it was and it was it seemed so easy to me and it was like whoa this is genius you know yeah. and I'd be thinking so the funny thing was is that so I instituted all these different things in in in, in snowboarding and in in skateboarding, when I was working there, and, the, and and skateboarding was going into like this total dive. Yeah. Because skateboarding goes through these these arcs, and they're almost they're almost predictable by by demographics. Mm. So like, there's once a, a group of people, a, a, a bulge hits 16 and they can drive, 
they stop skateboarding and they start driving and going surfing or doing other things, right? So it's almost like that's the cutoff. And so when a certain number of people move into that, I can drive stage, there's a crash. And then another group comes in, another group of 10 year olds to 16, and you have another six years of like, you know, boom. And so it's a boom bus cycle, right? Yeah. Skating a lot. And so it was in a bust. It was like, it was like going over, but snowboarding was booming. So like, so like I was doing all this, all this stuff in the magazines and on the one hand, everything was just like exploding. Every time I do something, it would like, and on the other one, it would like not. And so like on one side of the building, I was like a dunce. On the other side, I was a genius. You yeah. Know? yeah. It was like, it was just so funny because you're just going, no, the, the stuff is, uh, uh, I'm probably, I'm not making this, the, the snowboard market boom, but I'm helping us take advantage of it. And I'm, and, and this is going to crash no matter what we do, but I'm at least like, like, buffering us from yeah. the worst of the crash. We're not going to go out of business. Yeah. yeah. You're, but you're balancing you your portfolio. High tide, right? Yeah. Like the tide's going out. You're not, I don't care how much water you try to bucket in, man. Yeah. The tide's going out. You know, you got to wait till, it, you know, till it comes in again, yeah. you know, but you can build, but you can build stuff so that you don't, you know, you don't, you don't sink all your boats, right? Yeah. Skateboarding <laughs> is so weird because like you said, it, it goes in those, uh, the ebbs and flows, it spikes and it <coughs> Cycles, drops, yeah. it spikes and it drops. It's definitely more stable <coughs> than it ever was, but even now I feel like I've been hearing it's definitely in a slump right now, skateboarding. Yeah. I mean, that's life cycles and stuff, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it also comes, you know, back, not just the demographic, but the what kind of athletes are peaking at that time. And it is a group who's carrying the sport too. Yeah. And like, right. you know what, you know, right. cause yeah. I mean, we always talk about like, you know, Slater's 50 and he still moves the needle, but yep. you know, like yep. Tony, Hawk, you know, there, yep. there's, but they still got to stay relevant and they still got to be in the spotlight. But then the, you know, you got to have these rivalries more so in surfing, you know, than, than skateboarding. But yeah, there's, there's just a lot of different aspects to, to make it, you know, interesting, I guess, sure. but you got to sell product. And it's interesting. You said that at 16, you kind of lose that, that customer or that base, Yeah, you know? I mean, so your pros stay on, but your your average but the, kid, the, the yeah. kids buying and yeah, yeah. They're, they're buying the product. So, <clears throat> how long did you work at Transworld? So Transworld, I think for five years. Let me just think, so like like eight to ninety three. Yeah, so five years. And that was an ocean side, right? And that was an ocean side, yeah. and it was it was a really great. You know, I mean. Uh, I mean, I've had four major jobs in my life, right? I, I mean, in the career part of my life. I worked for Surfer, I worked for Transworld, I worked for Quicksilver, and I worked for Billabong. And I just look back on that and just go, I, I'm a lucky guy. For you know? sure. I mean, shit. That, like, I, it wasn't like I was a genius or I knew what I was doing when I got into any of that stuff. It's just, but those are like the four best companies I can think of yeah. you know, to work for. And yeah. I worked for them. In really good times, yeah. You know, at the height they, of their... they were they, when they were they were exciting places to be and uh, and and to enjoy and and uh, you know I mean they always say you know find something you love and you never work a day in your life yeah. and I mean I, pretty much that's how I've always felt. You yeah, know, I was always excited to get up and go to work. I was like, wow, this is going to be a great. Day. Well, you created value too, th you know, throughout having all these different <clears throat> aspects of career. You know, like you're adding to your resume, right? From mm -hmm. like the the media to the advertising, and then you know, here you go into more of the the surf brand era. You know, where yeah. Quicksilver and Billabong are. I mean, they're running. They're yeah, so they're the new beasts of the industry. What uh, what? made the transition from tr 
trans world to quick. Um, let me think. Um, I'm not even. I'm not even sure how how that uh, that transpired, except for the fact that oh, I know. Um, um, it was the crossing boat, and and Bob Ignite, you know, and I had been friends from many many, many you know forever. Yeah. And before we were in the surf industry, really, and Bob said, "Hey, we've got this crossing Indy. boat, the Indies Trader, and." And we need someone to like run it, and you know, and and you get to travel. He goes, it's perfect for you. You get to travel all around the world, and you can go surfing, and you'll you know you'll you'll hang with all the boys. It'll be fun, you know. And all you have to do is make it make it be a happening, you know. So it's kind of like, well, wait, <laughs> how to run the boat? <laughs> well, direct it. I mean, the the you know the captain the, was was Martin Daly. Okay. And Martin was you know the 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 uh, admiral the. The admiral of his own fleet. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. And uh, he he's another whole. He could write, you know, five books on on Martin. You know, <laughs> but, uh, but they needed a brain to to make sure it was marketable. They needed somebody, main... somebody besides run the boat. Yeah. So like my job the business was side to get it. all the to get all of the uh, paperwork. You know, all the visas and the and and the customs and and uh, logistics yeah, and all so that stuff done. You're talking about. <clears throat> Running the business side of the boat, right, and getting all like so we had we'd have we had like fourteen berths. You could put fourteen people on the boat, so there were X number of surfers, X number of media people, and then one of the things that I talked them into, which was a good thing, was let's do retailers, just like what you guys are doing now, right? Yeah, like you put a retailer on that boat, yeah, you know, with, with Kelly and Carol, and take them to you know to Costa Rica. They're not gonna. They're never gonna leave your brand. Yeah. They're always gonna be Quicksilver to the death, right? Yeah. And I go, that's just how it is. And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and it was and it was really true. I mean, we. I, I, I tell you a really funny story. So when I went uh, at Surfer one year coming back from um, from Europe, um, it, as a matter of fact, it was right at the beginning. I, I, I said I need to go back and clear up the do finish my business up like with this stuff before I go full time with the magazine. <clears throat> so I did it on the way home. Penn said, hey, would you stop in the Caribbean and do a story? We have photos. Art Brewer, who wasn't the photo editor yet, he was just you know a really well-known photographer guy, sole photographer guy. Um, he said, you know, he's got some really great shots from the Caribbean, so could you stop there and do, I know you've been there before, so you know where to go, like write a story about it. So, yeah, they're going to pay my way back and, you know, and, and then, like sure, it was again. It was just a great, great deal. And so I wrote this story, but it was back in the day when you could not name spots. Mm -hmm. So in the Caribbean, you have all these amazing names for surf spots. So I just made up these other names that were like, like they were, like you know, if if they weren't like that, no one would believe you. But it was like you know. So I I I, I made up all these names, and and uh, and the one that was Cane Garden Bay. You know, I, I, I named it another name. And so uh, um, so we published an article about it, you know, Islands in the Stream, and it was, a, you know, it was a, a big article in Surfer. And so fast forward like 20 years later, right, and I'm on the crossing boat, and I've got a guy coming. A retailer. A, a retailer. And he gets on the boat, and uh, so we're talking, you know, and I'm, and I'm you know. He's all, let's go to. And, I, and I'm going, so so what's the, so so I go, so what's, what's, what's your shop? He goes, oh, it's called Little Cinnamon Rainbows. And the hair on the back of my neck just stood up, and I go, 
Where did you get that name? Where did you get that name? He goes, oh, you know, about 20 years ago, there was this article in Surfer about, like, you know, the Caribbean. And I just thought it was such a cool name that I named my surf shop that. No freaking way. And I go, dude, not only did I write that article. <laughs> That's a made-up name. We're going to that place right now. <laughs> and it's not called that. <laughs> it is not called that. <laughs> Please tell me. Is it the original owner of yeah okay yeah, of yeah, cinnamon Dave, rainbows uh, Dave, Dave uh, Cropper yeah Dave Cropper yeah holy oh crap gosh. that's insane. you know he's like one of my favorite oh people. he's great we've uh, had him on the podcast too yeah oh I didn't know that I didn't see him on there yeah, yeah Dave oh, oh, we yeah. you know we've had oh, you know cool hundreds of episodes so you know you got to <laughs> yeah. scroll pretty far now wow yeah. but that is so epic you're Dave on this trip Cropper. you made up names of spots. And then here he is naming a shop after one of your spots. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's insane. Talking about serendipity, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so you guys score and had an amazing time? So we had a really fun time. Great, great stuff. And, you know, and the, like everybody just kept, you know, we were always going somewhere and, and doing stuff. But what I was going to tell you about that, the funny thing is I'd get all these, these um, postcards or like, you know, phone calls or, you know, emails from people that were going, Oh man, yeah, I can just see you now. You know, you got your, I bet I can see you. You got your feet up on, you know, on the, on the railing. You got, you know, you got a Mai Tai in your hand. You're, you know, you're, you're kicked back watching the sunset, right? Yeah. And I go, well, actually, I'm sitting in some sweaty little customs <laughs> shop. Can you shake it down by a third world, you know, uh, uh, bureaucrat? Yeah. Like my, you know, my, my one guy that's supposed to be coming is, is like, you know, Missed his plane. My second guy lost his surfboard. Third guy is puking over the side of the deck right now because he's so seasick. <laughs> Kelly's nowhere to be found. We have no idea if he's even going to show up. The guys from CBS who I fought like hell to get on the boat are saying, if you know, if if we you know if we have to leave, show. if we have to leave in three days, you'll have to like get a a, a um, plane a, a, and fly us. A, a, seaplane to like land and pick us up and ship us out martin's going the swell the you know the, the swell is coming and i'm just leaving if none of these guys show up you know <laughs> and I guess, so, yeah other than that everything's perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you did that for a couple of years um, yeah. trip after trip yeah. like that where so, they all well, I mean, they were all like that but i mean that was, it was just funny so i always would say to people just like when people say oh it's so great you're working in hawaii and i go or you know you're and you go yeah it's definitely more fun to be working in Hawaii, and and it, and it definitely is something you never complain about. But it ain't a vacation. Yeah. Right. You're still working. Yeah. You still got to get shit done, and if you don't, there's hell to pay for it. So it's not the same as just like they think. Oh, you're just going to Hawaii, and then you do whatever you want to do, like they do when they go on vacation. Yeah. You know, but it's not like that. Yeah. You, know? you got to so, do stuff. Yeah. Def- I, I'm <clears throat> tripping on like here you are, a publisher. You're pretty much head of two magazines, right? And you're you're you have a a set job and like you know a set destination. And when Bob came to you and said, "Hey, I want you to run the Indies Trader," what did he say? Like you're you're gonna be like a <laughs> this tour, could be not a tour guide, but like but it could be an epic win or an epic loss based on. You know, yeah. pulling it off. Yeah. Like, well, Quicksilver at that time <laughs> was kind gigantic. of untouchable. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was kind of like a, a, a no-fail situation, you know. But what a trippy, you know, job to take on. Oh, yeah. Right? It was great. I mean, it was just, it was just like, again, it's like, it's 
John a lifetime. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just, you know, for four years went around, you know, the world, like you know, <laughs> surfing and, and having fun and, and entertaining and entertaining the troops. You yeah. know. So um, yeah, it was great. It was great while it lasted. I mean, you know, because how many times <laughs> would you go a, like a year on on the boat? Well, I I went like I wasn't there all the time because because sometimes we needed all the berths to be filled. Yeah. So I would say I'd go for like three weeks and then I'd be back for a week and then I'd go for a week and then I'd be back for two weeks and then I'd go for two weeks and be back for a week, you know, kind of thing. Because I was always ahead of the boat. So I had to go down and go, get, I had to get customs, I had to get immigration, uh, uh, harbor, you know, harbor masters, Permits port authorities, all that. all that stuff had to get cleared. So, okay, so that, so this is a good story. You guys will like this story. So this is, I called this, I called this Papers in Order. I wrote a story about this called Papers in Order. I'll send it to you guys so you can read it. But Martin was, you know, an old pirate yes. like, from day one, right? And that was the reason why it, it eventually broke up is because <laughs> Quicksilver and Martin just couldn't come, like, couldn't. Yeah. You know, Quicksilver had liability with yeah. their name in the right? business. So my and job was that. Martin is loose. Yeah. And you were the, totally the middleman. Yeah, so, you're the conduit between the two. And the thing was, is that they had this kind of, it was kind of an, an intricate way of like, who paid for what. Mm. But one of the things that, that he paid for, because it was always constantly a moving target, was he paid for all the, pay, for all the you know, all the, the uh, um, paperwork, mm. you know. And, and so, in his mind, like that was just money being thrown away. Like it was money he had to pay, you know. For me, it was like, I'm not taking... Quicksilver out on his boat unless we have all of our approved, stamped, yeah. you know, stuff. Yeah. And so, and so, Martin, we always be going, God, Kenton, they're just ripping you off. They're just, they're just, they're just shaking you down, you know? And I go, yeah, Martin, but we have to have these. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> when I'm in Indonesia, I just give them like, you know, 300 rupees is done. I go, yeah, but Martin, we're not in Indonesia. Yeah. We're in, you know, Nicaragua yeah. and these people are not you know gonna do that I yeah. go they may well be charging more but we have to get this and I'm getting it on time so we can get the hell out of here yeah. and do it right so I mean just used to beat me up right oh I so, bet I can only imagine the Australian him, right? pirate right. versus the you know not boss but the 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 responsible guy who needs to make sure that there's no glitches in travel and <laughs> the retailers, the VIPs that you're entertaining don't, you know, don't have to hassle. Right. Because that's what you're trying to create exactly. is a, a Disneyland <clears throat> on a boat, right? You're like exactly. trying to make people But happy. they're, you know, pioneering like, like, surf travel in yeah. a in a vessel that's like nobody's done this before yeah people have done it on their personal you know not but not a business i don't know yeah. that was the first of the first it was. you know it was and it was great because the content they got and the, and the vibe and i think they did they didn't they go up the east coast and stuff yeah, and yeah. you know like and yeah. choreographed it with yeah. like you know tours Kekley and signing was part and, of that yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah. Kekley was Kekley was and Kekley came down to to uh to central america too but but uh, so anyway, we 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 take off from this port, uh, in in the north of Nicaragua, which was just like a you know a dirty place. You know, what I mean, not and we and we and we're we're coming down. We find this little cove, 
and we and we camp there for the night, <clears throat> you know, pull in anchor, and in 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 Central America, especially in in Nicaragua, there's this this fog bank that sits about six feet above the water and about six feet high, and it's just this bank of and it burns off once the sun comes over, but like it gets light, it's just this fog bank, and you know, and so. Martin and I, we slept up on the on the top of the bridge with you know where the where he, you know, drove the boat, and both of us slept up there so that everybody could have cabins down in the bottom, and we wait, and we're so we're always the first ones up, and and so we're sitting there, we can hear this, like motor, and it's like, we can't see anything, but we can hear it, and it's just like, revved to the max, like it's like. You know how like a, when you've got a boat that's going out. You can't see anything. Go, you just right? hear it. <clears throat> and we're, and, but we can hear it's coming closer to us. And it's getting closer and closer. And Martin and I are kind of looking at each other going, what is this, right? And all of a sudden, this, and, and this is a Russian PT boat. Oh, which shit. It's about twice the size of ours. It has like a 50 millimeter cannon, double barrel on the front. And it's coming straight at us, and it's like the wake is just like this, right? It's like over the over the gunnels, right? And it's coming right at us. And Martin and I both said afterward, we just go, you know, my first inclination was just to jump off the boat and get the hell away because we thought it was just going to ram us. It was like, I mean, it was coming probably like 15 knots. It was hauling ass, right? Dang. I mean, it was it was just spray off, you know, out of the bow, just like it's just like heading to us. There's this guy with his like you know, fully trained on us, right? They come up just before they they hit, they turn sideways, Sliding. bang up against the side of our starboard side, and they grapple us. I'm going, holy shit, I thought grappling was like for like pirates in like the old days, right? I've never even heard of someone grappling you, right? They come in this ladder over and lock you against them so you can't get away, right? And then all these guys in full fatigues combat uniforms with you know with AK forty sevens come come Pouring over the top and start coming up the stair stairway Shut to the bridge. The fuck up! Right? And Martin looks at me and he goes, "Glad you oh, got those papers. You got those papers." <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know if we have enough. Don't have enough paper to. He He loves you now. But they were Russians. <laughs> No, no, they were no, they were, they were Russian boat. But it was Rush, they, they bought their Russian maybe boat. from the Russians okay. because yeah. of, they were Sandinistas, Fuck, right? What a trip! <laughs> and so, like, uh, and you had retailers on the boat. Oh yeah, they were all asleep, but you know, and they're all like sort of sticking their heads out. Yeah. What's going on? You know, and uh, so anyway, but they had the paperwork. Had the paperwork it was all good. They were all good because <laughs> they obviously thought we were drug dealers. You know, mm, yeah. Because, the boat was painted up in these bright, like you know, yeah, colors, yeah. tattooed yeah. colors from Tahiti, and you know, it was like a weird-looking boat. And like, I'm sure they, that that's what they thought. Yeah, know, they saw it. <clears throat> they thought, man, they were going to guys hide in the fog guys, bank. These guys might yeah. be armed, you know. Yeah. So like, they were coming in ready for a firefight. Yeah, you know? and uh, and we were just kind of like sleepy, like what, <laughs> you know? So nice. <laughs> Hope you got those papers. <laughs> Oh, he's probably like ha probably had it happen a lot, and he just pays them off wherever Martin's yeah. been around the world. Yeah, I, I got some tucked away dollar bills. Are you sure, mate? Yeah. Are you sure you want to get me a citation? <laughs> what about this girly magazine? Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, that two, you said you did that for two, three, four years. Yeah, four years. We went. We went to. Uh, we we went to. Uh, 
we went down. We we went. Well, I, I picked up the boat. I, I got on the boat in the in the Mediterranean because it was that was when it was it was all Quicksilver has different different regions and they all pay for whatever the thing is and it was coming to North America so that's when we were going to take over. So they had had a director in in in, in Europe, but I got on the boat just kind of like figure everything out, you know how it all worked, and so we went all through all through the. I got on it right after it came through the Suez Canal, mm-hmm. and then we went through Europe, and then out out the you know the um, <clears throat> into the into the um, Atlantic. Atlantic and and uh, through Gibraltar, and then went to England, and then you know and, and then down the coast of France, and out to the Canaries, and and you know, and then down all the way down to Senegal, <clears throat> and then we got to Senegal. It, Senegal is kind of like like if if this is this is South America, and this is and this is. Uh, Africa, there's kind of like two humps, and they kind of sit almost like that. So right at Senegal, you like it's the shortest distance across the Atlantic. That's the, that's the shortest distance. So so we blitzed it across, you know, to, to Brazil, and and you know where its big hump is, and uh, and then we went up and through the into the Caribbean, then through the Panama Canal, then all of Central America, all the way down to Peru, um, into Peru, and then back. Through the Caribbean again, so spent almost a year in the Caribbean. Wow! Um, and 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 in Brazil and, and all of that, um, and uh, so yeah, so that's that's what we're that's that that was the the. Um, Can you imagine just organizing like where to fill up and how far and what the wa- navigating through like treacherous <laughs> waters and. Well, that was Martin. Martin job was that, and I will give him credit. One of the one of the you know the boat only had like like six foot of drop in it, so it was. It was really, it was, it, it was, it didn't, it didn't have a lot of, and and the good news about that was you Sur- never ran aground, right? Yeah. Like you'd go right over reefs. You you know, if, if the reef was submerged by six feet, you wouldn't even hit it. You, know, mm. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it was there. You just roll right right through. So you rarely ran aground or scraped or anything like that. The bad news was if you had any kind of weather, it was yeah. like you were on a cork, you know, you were just doing this, you know, because there was nothing, yeah. nothing down at the bottom. Did you run into bad weather? Ran that. Only once. And it was gnarly. But, and it was in the Caribbean. And, you know, you don't realize the Caribbean is like this giant sea. It's like 700 miles across. And when you hear those, like, I never really thought about it before, but when you hear like, you know, hurricanes in I think you're all Florida protected by all the islands. In, but in Texas, you know, the, hitting the Gulf Coast yeah. and all that, you know, well, those come out, those come out of there. Like there's a there's a whole string of like islands that run from you know from from the Keys and then Cuba and Jamaica and all the way down to Venezuela all the way down all the way down to yeah to Venezuela and and th- but that's a string of islands that sort of sit like a, almost a barrier and then inside of that is this giant ocean yeah you know um, and and it gets big storms and you usually know about them and we never went we this was an unusual storm we went when there was no weather like that yeah but you know like like you know places like silverbacks it gets like 15 foot yeah you know silverbacks it's a, it's a massive way yeah you know and uh and it comes out of there it doesn't come through from the atlantic you know it's got a whole blockade there for it so um yeah so you know martin just said don't you know don't get washed overboard going to the bathroom when you get up at night because i'm not turning this boat around because like we're just going to the you know we're going in like this you know, over the top of the waves, and you have to point into, and like into the swell, right? But like, so if you try to turn around, you're sideways yeah. to it, and that's what happens with the perfect storm. You know, that's what happens with boats capsizes. They yeah, get, they get sideways to the swell, and and they get swamped. 
we're not, we're, I'm not coming to get you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So you, you <clears throat> survived. Yeah. It was a, like a two a day, big... it was a two day, super stormy, you know, thing. Ugh. And, you know, no one can really come and get you in that weather. So you just have to ride it out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you can't really sleep very well. You got, you try to strap yourself in, you know, to yeah. the bunk and just like, it was, it was fine. At the end of the day, it's funny. I wasn't that. I was. I wasn't ever. Lots like, of drama. Me out about it. You know. Yeah. Well, you know that that doesn't make me sick. What makes me sick is when you just sit still and rock. Mm. That's when I get seasick. If I'm, I'm and rough weather doesn't bother. You know, yeah. it's like it's just like surfing. You don't get seasick by getting rolled around. In the it's the slow. It's, it's the slosh. Yeah. This, you know. I mean, you can just do this for a while by yourself. And you'll feel it, you know. Yeah. And he was like, "Whoa!" You get off the boat, and you're like that for a couple hours. You're like, yeah. "Why is this? Why are we still rocking?" <laughs> I think the only time I ever got seasick was that crossing from uh, uh, what is it? The crossing to the Mentwise. Oh, uh, oh, uh-huh. yeah. That's the only time I got it's ever a- gotten it. Yeah, and that's about sixty miles. I think yeah, they from said. Solo, is that where you're going from? Yeah. 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 Was it from uh, what's the place? Uh, you well, you de- boat out of. Um... Jeez, I'm drawing Not blank. Dempasar, but no, no, no. Dempasar is in Bali. Jakarta. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I forget the town. Yeah, but there's a yeah. There's like the closest <laughs> spot, but yeah, we hit some really rough seas. Did you yeah. coming across there a couple times? Yeah, I mean it happens, but you know, yeah. you just hope the stuff's strapped on and right. got good crew yeah. yeah boat doesn't break yeah so quicksilver for four years yeah doing the crossing and then you know i had i i had little kids so like i was in fact uh, i shouldn't i don't know if i can say this on tape but you've been you've been using you've been using those words so i will too but i i went to bob and i said hey bob do you think there's like maybe another job I could get at Quicksilver? <laughs> and I'll never forget, we were sitting at a table like this and he leans across the table like this and he goes, fuck you, Kempton. You have the best job in the industry and you want another job? I go, okay, okay, okay. He goes, someone's going to have to die here before there's another job like this. Yeah. I go, okay, okay. You get to travel so, the world. So uh, so I went so I went to, uh, to Paul Maudet at, at Bong and said, um, you know, do you think there's anything, you know, and he said, well, as a matter of fact, we need a, we need a media guy, you know, so, um, so the, the crossing was coming to a close anyway. I mean, I didn't really want to go up the East Coast. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't yeah. really have any interest in doing that. Yeah. You know? um, it but, was, it was a nice little break from the corporate oh, yeah, office world. It was wonderful. Magazine world. And not a, they have, at that time, they're blowing up. They had a bunch oh, yeah. of brands. Yeah. And, well, they had the they they had the plane. He had just bought oh, this, gosh, yes. this Grunin Grunin uh, um, Grumman uh, seaplane. Yeah, seaplane. It was it's called the um, Albatross. Yeah, an Albatross. And but you weren't gonna you weren't gonna run that program, were I you? Did. You did? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh my it was, god! It was pretty short lived because what he wanted to do is buy two planes. Yeah. So he'd have parts for the other one, you know. But it's really hard here. To have it here, we had it in Hawaii because in Hawaii you can take off on the and fly around. But here, there's only so many but, spots. But here, it's like really hard to get it. You know, to you, you, there's just a lot of re- regulations, understandably. Yeah, a lot of regulations because there's a lot of traffic here. You know, so they don't want and and the the thing about the the, the thing that's really cool about the plane is that it can fly really low. It was it was designed 
to pick up people who were sh whose boats were sank during World War II. Because when they're flying above, they can't see guys. They can see a boat, but mm -hmm. they can't see people, people. in the water, yeah. right? But this thing flies like ten feet above the water, and just like just and so you can see, you know, and, it, and it's 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 got a ninety foot wingspan, so it just it just glides kind of, you know, like an, albatross. Call it, like an albatross, right? <laughs> and, and, and they and and so we when we were in Hawaii, I took it to all the islands, and we did and we did the same thing. We put people in it from the retailers, you know, and and everybody, and and, and Shane Dorian came on, and you know, I had a bunch of people that yeah. you know came, but. It was unbelievable, especially like on the you know on on um, on Kauai on the on the on the cliff lines there where they have all the waterfalls that come off. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like the, they'd be right there where your wall is, right? Just this waterfall just pouring Crazy. off of the thing. We'd just be like sitting <clears throat> right along, like right like eye level to it. It was mind blowing. That's so like, rad. I'd never, I so never you went seen from that. a boat to a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't very long, as I say. That was only a few months that we did it. But boy, it was fun. Um, it was a, it was a blast. Have you watched the the stab uh, episode about the boats, the planes? You yeah, mean? The, yeah, I'm sorry, the planes. No, I haven't. Yeah, like Paul, Paul talked, or you know, they talked about how you know yeah. one wasn't fitted for commercial you know com like commercial, right? and yeah. they ran on you know spent a bunch of money. Right. But well, you he, know, but you know, Paul has it, so you know. Can't yeah, die really. with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so, so you know, Bong was a really great place to work too. In fact, in some ways, Bong had less uh, politics mm. than Quick did. You know, Quick there were a lot of people that Bob's such a nice guy. You know, Paul's a much harder taskmaster. In some ways, <laughs> you know? um, and and Bob was just such a nice guy that people like just sort of like stab each other in the back all the time to try to. Get up the corner. Climb that. Yeah. yeah. It was so big. I mean, you know, they had 10 vice presidents and, you know, all these different divisions and you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so crazy to think how Quicksilver is kind of like one of the first surf brands that became corporate, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know much about OP and what, you know, who and how it was sold or licensed or whatever, but with with Quicksilver, us interviewing him and him telling us, you know, what happened. It's you're just talking about, you're talking about Bob. Bob. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. would just he would. I mean, they just create jobs for people that you know, kind of. Well, were the, his network, you know, the, and be like, hey, we're, we're, we'll we'll make you West Coast regional like brand ambassador, and you like you know yeah. like they were just making positions. Yeah, and it paying was just people. Really, I mean, which is awesome. Point how <laughs> for them. How, Hackman got the fucking license. Right. Is ridiculous. Eating a doily right. at a fucking bar. Right. But also with Bob. A doily that, a doily that had everything imaginable dumped onto it already. And probably. And beer and, and, and chips and. Yeah. Whatever. God, it was just gross, you know. But, but Bob, like, you know, being a USC business graduate and freaking. He took surf company into corporate world the corporate world and and like the whole like you know whole whole book was on the podcast too and how oh, you know man. they found customers in the yellow pages <laughs> <laughs> oh here's a a, a, a sports store a, or a sporting a, store a sporting yeah. goods store and yeah. freaking yeah. yeah and yeah. just the way that they did the business you know what i mean and how yeah. they increased 
you know, yeah. retailer and yeah. and going public and all that and acquiring, you know, all the like they went through that whole, you know. It's not about Quicksilver. Yeah, we know. It's, we know the story. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like, yeah, no, it really is. But and Bong, then, how long you you did the, after the the so did the plane thing? Ten years too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All with the albatross or different parts? No, 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 no. That was that 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 ended that ended Quick. quite early because he couldn't find the parts to the thing and he couldn't get the permits to fly. Yeah. It would make it worthwhile. And it was unless you have a really good you have to have a pilot that really knows what he's doing. Too, yeah, right. You know? And that was not easy to find. And they had a couple of like kind of close calls with a couple of people that like you know, and so they just thought, eh, this is could be real liability, you know yeah. what I mean, that we don't need to have. Um and and uh and and you know, yeah, so. and it was expensive. It was real expensive, <laughs> real expensive, <laughs> really expensive. Yeah, well, I mean, just fuel. And the thing about the difference between a boat and a plane is every time a fl- every time you fly a plane a certain amount of time, you have to take it all apart and like and like clean it up. Everything, and yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything, has, everything has to be you know like like the maintenance, down. yeah, brakes and fuel lines and. And you know, landing gears and all that shit has to Talk like be looked at by 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 a third party law, technician, right? yeah. By, but I mean, also by law, like they just because they don't want plane crashes. Yeah, yeah. you know, people. Otherwise, people like will just drive it like you do your car. It's like oh, cool, it breaks cool, down. Cool, oh, so cool! I'll just pull you over. Like, um, yeah. You break down, you fall yeah, out of the sky. Dead, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. it. You know, so so um, so there's a lot of that too, which means that you have so you have this expensive. If you're not an airline, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what else, like running the media at Billabong, what was that job entitled? So that was about um, um, basically moving into the, you know, technological world, you know, and getting, you know, getting our, you know, a website, getting, getting, um, not podcasts like this, but getting every, every, I would post stuff on all the different um, platforms and, you know, there was no shortage of stuff. You know, when you have, you know, Sean and 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 you know Taj and uh, you know, we had such a we had such oh, a your, crew. Oh, your yeah. your yeah, no shortage so, of. So like, there was always a story. Somebody was winning something. Somebody was traveling somewhere. Someone was, you know, just got a you know a, something. You know, yeah, you there. you had the content. You just you had to get it out there in a timely manner yeah. that made it relevant. And so the, the it was it was that that was great because we you know we really had it was the first time we that I think someone actually created a a, a media company of their own because what what people began to realize as you know as as the print magazines begin to decline is that like we can do we it's cheaper to hire Jim and like produce all this stuff than it is to like advertise for like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in the magazines yeah. You know? And we're reaching more people. We get we get to control the content. Yeah, you know we create all the stuff, and and, and you know <clears throat> who's on their electronics is the demographic you guys exactly. want, anyways, yeah, which is that younger back, younger right. kid. So you're really yeah. focusing your your target yeah. demographic. So coming from the magazine world, did you just did a piece of you die when magazines started falling? Like. Well, even before that, what was interesting is like working for the magazines. You were kind of you were Switzerland, you know. You were you were totally neutral, and everybody loved you. Yeah. Everybody wanted to invite you into their, 
you know, their their party, their annual, their, party, their annual planning, yeah. their you know, their advertising, you know, budget. You'd sit on all this stuff, and they would just be like, "Well, tell us, you know, what do you think? Why is it done?" You know, and you're always invited to all that stuff. What was really a shocker is like when you you know you you st- when I started for a brand, realizing that. Now none of the other brands yeah. like we're getting all the walls came up exactly. You know, you like go, why aren't you taking my call? Yeah, yeah. More for Quicksilver, or, you know, bro. you'd be like I'd be you know when I went. Bob McKnight's like I don't know you, bro. <laughs> well, when I went to when I went to uh, to to uh, Billabong, so like I you know I just pop in it like I was used to it at, at Quick and everybody was still super friendly, right? And they get to go into the meeting and go well, see, see ya. ya, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That was it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you weren't getting invited in, and that was when you just went. The light went on. It was like this is not, you know, the the, the magazines anymore. Yeah, you're this not in like Switzerland a, anymore, now you're, Dorothy. Now you're like you got a, you, you have a side. You've taken a side. You yeah. belong to that. That's what your job is now, yeah. you know. And you know that was it was sad because I was so used to like being friends with everyone in the industry and and having fun. But you know, your job is your job. You do, yeah. what you, you know, you you you, you want to sell, you know, be successful for the brand that you're working for, but. Um, Isn't it a trip though that magazines, our magazines are gone? Yeah, it's crazy. Totally, totally crazy. And and there's something really. I mean this. Not this is not. I'm an old guy and wish it was like somewhere else. There's something missing about one, the sense of anticipation. Like now, you know, they talk about instant gratification. Like that's all there is. Yeah. There is no other thing. There yeah. is no waiting for anything else. It's like you're watching Lifetime all the time. Yeah. And and so there's and and the second thing is there's no central thing. Yeah. You know, like there's like like what magazines were not. I realize now is magazines where everyone has all this, but they were filters. Like someone who really knew a lot. Like when you were the editor at Surfer, you had a responsibility. To like make sure that what you said was true, that what you said was accurate, yep. that what you printed was the best there could be, that the photographs were like you know the best they could possibly have. There's none of that. Yeah, you can say anything you want. You can make shit up. Yeah. I mean, do you read Chaz? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if like no, we I, know. We know who you're talking about. Chaz yeah. Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to say. I heard he's a really good guy though. Well, I have heard he's a really good guy, but you never know. I mean, and actually, I've met him a number of times. But like you read his stuff, and you just go, "This is like Tiger Beat meets, meets National Enquirer." Yeah, you yeah. know, it's just like lowered this thing to like this. Oh, and oh, his hair was blowing in the wind. Is it? He, they were outraged at the. You're just going, good. Yeah, like gossip. Help yeah. me yeah. out here. You yeah. know what I mean, is this really about surfing? Yeah, like, or you're not. It, it isn't. It's just clickbait. Yeah, clickbait for sure. Exactly but yeah, right. you're, I, I think the authenticity of what the magazines were putting out and having like a oh, real man. story and a real like, you know, destination. You know, I mean, they covered you know a little bit of everything yeah. for sure. But yeah. the majority was you know editorials, whether it's a, a new new destination or you know that time of year this place is highlighted, like you know, yeah. California yeah. fall, you know, yeah. and Hawaii winter, and in yeah. Europe, you know, yeah. like. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you got used to those, and you're excited to see like what's happening in that part of the world now. I think find it's out. still a viable thing, you know. I if, think people still. Do, I still. I think that the audience still lives that. Mm-hmm. What I'm bummed about is is that the media is no longer what I think of as accountable. A surfing media. Yeah. You know, like it's just it's just like all the other media. It's just like we were saying. It's all based on how much, you know, can we get of this or that or the other. You know, and that's why I was saying that was really cool to just depart for a moment 
but it's really cool that you guys are doing stuff with the industry because that's a real thing and yeah. a real place and real people that like actually yeah. affect our lives yeah. you know and it's not some you know Jonah goes surfing at Malibu and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not knocking that I'm just yeah. saying that's just so far beyond like wherever it was before there's yeah. no core it seems like to the to the media coverage itself for the you know for the people who are living it I honestly I, I think the kids and this is you can stop after I'm done with this, but, but, or you can t ask me about my books. I don't care. Yeah. But, uh, but one of the things that I love about the kids is that the, the the 18 year olds right now are closer to what I was like when I was 18 than anyone since I've been in in, in surfing. Yeah. Because the 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 not only has the media failed, but the but the brands by and large have not don't have the hold. Mm -hmm. Right, they're not yeah. they're not driving the story anymore, and what happened is, you know, as, as as the magazines got more desperate for advertising, they let the brands direct the sort of culture, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. It's yeah. just that it isn't. It's it's all it's it's all like skewed towards that yeah. yeah and i never realized that i was doing that at the time yeah but it is you know what i mean like it's not like it was so organic like i was saying we shopped at the thrift shop well the kids today shop at the thrift shop yeah, yeah. they don't buy they don't buy brands you, know, you yeah. don't see them wearing a big giant billabong or a quicksilver or a rip curl thing on their chest yeah. they're like they like got some cool T-shirt that's like you know that's got that's got a you know a graffiti artist that like they like or yeah. it's a or or just a just a cool thing from something else and, and everyone says oh they're retro you know they're retro I go no they're not they <laughs> like they like this stuff for the same reason we do I go they don't write single fins because they're retro they write single fins because they like how it loads up at the bottom turn and just flies out and I go you never get that on three fins you cannot you cannot do that deep freaking snap out of the bottom. On a three fin, you cannot, and they love yeah. that, so they like it. Well, that's fine. That doesn't mean that that's the only thing you can do. But it's like, don't tell me it's because it's retro. Yeah, you know, it's like they're they they love Volkswagen buses because you can sleep in them. Yeah, it's like we could. There's because you, you can put your board in and lock it up, and you don't have to worry about whether you have racks or not. Yeah. I mean, it's utilitarian, and they get that because they're not being driven all the time. By the brands telling them, this is what's cool. This is what you should do. Yeah. This is what you know. This is what what's happening. And you don't see that that side by side competitiveness that you would you know used to get in the magazines exactly. and the one up like oh, you know, Bill Wong's got a three page ad and oh, Quick Server took the center you know and yeah. the battle which is a little bit more internal with us kind of like you know inner circle of the industry, but it went on to you brought up ASR you know. And having the bigger and better parties, yeah, and better inviting, you know, and you know, taking accounts out to special events, they still do that. I'm, I'm seeing guys at, you know, a bunch of retailers at the Billabong Pipe Pro right now, and yeah. it still happens, but it's not as it's. There needs to be. It, de it doesn't have the same entity. feeling as it did back in the day, you know, where those those parties like. Shop kids are going back. Oh my God, we're at the ASR. We saw right. this band. We're part of, you know, like right. it, you know, and then that trickles down throughout and it makes it feel well, really going back to special. The, the Surfer Magazine, Surfing Magazine, and even the last one standing is, you know, Surfer's Journal. And Mike Latronic still has a magazine. He does, right? They yeah. surf. But 
the way that, like you said, like uh, brands became their own media hubs, mm-hmm. but you want somebody that curates a little bit of everything, you know, so yeah. not one thing gets showcased, like yeah. everything gets, you know, where it's exactly. not an even playing field, but like you're, you're curated you know, the best of the best yeah. from, from whatever and, and it is. And you're choosing things because, because they're cool, not because they're a product you want to move. Yeah. You know? I mean, one of the things that really changed my mind about it, and I didn't realize it until, like, I was kind of stepped back from that, but, like, with my kids, you know, like, like I suddenly realized, wait, I'm not, I'm not going to tell my kids that if they don't have, like, this little logo on their jacket that they're not cool. That's yeah. not what makes you cool. Yeah. I don't want to teach my kids... That, like, that's what makes you cool. You're cool because of, like, yeah. this, right? Yeah. Like, I want to teach them that's what's happening, not, like, oh, yeah, if I have this logo and I, you know, and I go to this party or I know these yeah. people, like, yeah. like, like, you know, and that, and that, the whole branding thing sort of, sort of drove that. And, again, not, that's what I, I that was my job. And, yeah. I don't, and, and you guys sell a product. It's yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But in terms of the culture, I think the culture is more pure yeah. right now than it's been in decades. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I love it. I mean, I love these kids. They're like, yeah. you know, they and they like you see them. That there's no uh, judgment. Like yeah. they go out. One's on a lyre. One's on a boogie board. One's on a trifin. One's on a longboard. You know, and and they're all out there. They're all buds and they're all surfing. They can care less. They're not like going. Fuck, dude, you're not cool. Like, you have a, you know, yeah. your board is at 7.6. Yeah, those, bar- those, yeah. those barriers where there was decades of it being a certain look and a certain vibe, and if you weren't in the clique, you're a freaking a kook. Yeah. You know, now right. it's kind of, those barriers have been cotton, you know, kind of broken down. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about all the, you know, subcultures within surf, you know, yeah. that you just brought up. I mean, you could be the, the hipster or you could be the meathead or the, you know, the, 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 perf- uh, the, yeah. the professional, yeah. like the, you know, yeah. the, the yeah. CEO type guy that, you know, I mean, there's all these different aspects, but going back to the youth, I think it's like really cool. Like where you kind of did what, you know, fi- you found a niche, happened to fall on selling, you know, uh, Aloha, Aloha shirts. shirts, you know, and Aloha I feel shirts. like right now there's a real, with, with our access and having the computers at our hand all the time and kids now have a lot more entrepreneur like you know mm-hmm. kind of visions of like you know i can make money doing this and i can make money doing that versus just going and doing the nine to five clock in you know i don't know you got those those people but i feel like there's definitely a movement within the youth that to be a little bit more spontaneous and and, and create you know a little bit more of a niche yeah. not be programmed of i, I don't yeah. know i think yeah. so absolutely so how long were you, was it at billabong then I was at Billabong for about eight or nine years, and no, maybe I was there for eleven years. I was, um, and and um, and one of the things that made kind of my decision about Billabong was that um, I was working for I was on a board on a board the San Onofre Foundation. Cool. And the San Onofre Foundation was raising money for the state parks of Trestles. San Clemente and, and Doheny, which are like kind of my stomping grounds, right? Yeah. Like the whole area. And and I was raising money for that and the, and the people there asked me if I wanted to be the executive director of it. And I said, you can't pay me enough money to do that. You know, I'm, I'm working at Billabong. And they said, no, no, no. Look at how much money you're raising, you know, in this part-time. If you like worked full-time and we paid you, then like, you know, this would be great. 
And I talked it over with my wife and I just, you know, I said, you know, how long are they going to keep me at Billabong? You know, are they really going to have me there when I'm 60? Yeah. And this seems like yeah. a, a better cause with those, more. Yeah, this is one of those things that like you'll never be too old for. You kind of like have, you know, the, the elder statesman kind of thing. And, you know, yeah. you can use all of your knowledge about it. You don't have to like, you know. And so I, I thought you need, you need to go before you get thrown out the window. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and so, so I did. Yeah. And as it turned out, it wasn't the right thing because... Once you're being paid, all that changes. At least in my head, it does. Mm. Like it's easy to like ask people for money when you're just volunteering, but as soon as like you're being paid, it's kind of like, well, so how do you? Figure so how out much are you getting? Of, what cut I, are you getting out of this? And, you're, and you become a salesman. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I didn't want to do that, but um, but I what I did do is is start I started writing books, and um, they're not they don't you know, make you rich, but they're fun to do and I enjoy them. And like, I have the ability now to know about these things and I can do them. So this book that I just, I just wrote called Women on Waves, it's a 400 year history of women surfing. It goes back to like the Hawaiian queens and princesses and, you know, all the way through. And you, you know, you know that all of a sudden you realize you're writing the history of surfing because so cool. been there since the very beginning, you know, yeah. since the first pictures of the Captain Cook's like, you know, Stewart, you know, wrote, carved up on his, you know, on, on his, um, on his journal, journal was like, oh, you know, and, and, you know, and the, and the, the, the woodcuts and stuff they did, they all have women in them, you know, yeah. and is this the first book you wrote or no, this is the most recent book. Okay. So this is my most recent book in it. And it was great because, um, you know, I, I wrote, uh, I wrote a book on how to, um, which was kind of my first, well, my first book was a, a history of San Onofre and, the, and, the, and a San Onofre Surf Club commissioned that. And always before, like when people would ask me, they'd go, oh, don't you want to be part of like, you know, you can, you, can, you know, you get royalties and this and that. I just go, no, I don't know anything about the book world. I just, you know, I'll write this for you and you pay me and if you sell a million copies, it's fine. If you sell one copy, it's fine. I won't be bummed. I got paid. And that was the first book and it was successful? And that was the first book and, and it was successful. And then another another group of people, actually, that uh, um, Larry, uh, Larry uh, God, he won, the, he won the Pipe Masters twice. Larry. Uh, Bertelman. Bertelman. No. Larry Rios, Larry. Oh, this is even further bad. Anyway, he he was in, he was Larry. part of this group, and they and so they asked me to write a how-to book, and I said, God, you know, how to surf. Yeah, a how-to surf book, and and I said, you know, I I I don't know. That just you know that that's like not what I'm thinking of. But I said, let me just tell you the story because like here's what I would I would do. I said. Um, just and this has just happened like a week before they'd asked me, and I said, you know, I, was, I I walked down to, to Trestles and and we looked out and Tommy Curran was out. I mean, Tommy Carroll was out, and and I was with Sam George and Sam said, let's go out and surf with them. They're surfing the lefts because Tommy's a goofy footed. And, and I said, okay. So we paddled out. And as it turns out, one of Tommy's really good friends was a kid named Mike Newling, who you may or may not know, but he was a professional for a little while, and he he came from an English family. And they moved to Australia, but I knew them when I was when I was surfing in England. Wow! Hmm. And and he was just a young kid then. His yeah. brother was like the English champion. Anyway, so Tommy gives me a wave, and I write it. You know, you get a wave, so you write it all the way to the beach, right? At, yeah. At lower, it's like you know, you know, you don't waste any of it, right? And so I turn around and I and 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 I see Tommy, and Tommy's you know, ripping. And then I see Mike Newling take off, and Mike rides in, and when Mike 
kicks out. So they're both, they both kicked out before I do. So I'm paddling behind them. And I see Tommy paddle over to Mike. And I can see him talking, you know, like, like. Yeah. You know, and and I, I remember thinking, God, I wish I knew what he was saying. I would love to be right there. How having, having, you know, a two-time world champion telling a pro surfer, like, what technique is, mm -hmm. like, like giving him the inside, right? Yeah. And I go, that's what I think the book should be. It should be. Every like guy who has whatever it is that they do best, their signature. And they tell and, and and I get them to tell me that stuff. Like they're it, like not. What so you're, they, you're learning a how to improve surfing, but in a very interesting like with the pro with yeah, like with the guy with, who does with it way better the best than I'm ever going to be able to tell him how to do it. So right? you you selected yeah. each guy with the signature move and yeah. so Rocky backside. Off yeah, right? and 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 can I get that one? Did you did, did, did you have a diving for lobster uh, section? Because he would have definitely got that one. <laughs> Over the fall section. <laughs> Shut up, Lord. How to scrape your back on the reef section? Yeah. So you know, Rasta, you know, pumping down the line. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. You know, all, all the different guys. You know, aerial bytage and you know, on and on. And Andy, Andy backside bottom turn. So each like move and thing. You know, I had a section and I had these guys. And they would they would tell me about you know they would they, I would say just I I told them that story about time I said that's what I want you to tell me yeah. whatever you think that would be about what you do so they said okay well they bought it and it was great and so I so I did that and, and that was your second book that was my second book okay um, and then my third book was called first we surf then we eat and uh, it was a cookbook that just and, came out like last year two years yeah probably three years ago okay yeah two or three I, years ago yeah. I remember that. Yeah, book, see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and a it, cookbook. Yeah, you're all over the map with these books. I like it. Do you like we surf, do, you, or, eat? do you like yeah, cooking, or just thought that was I an love, interesting I conversation? Cook. I love to cook and I love to eat, and and I and so what I did is I took these. I had all these recipes that I had asked people for when I was living wherever it was. It You'd was have something good. Like, yeah. hey, I want to... You've been all over the world. Yeah. So, like, caliche in, in you know, in, in, in Costa Rica, like, has this lobster dish. And it's just, like, crazy good. And, you know, all the surfers eat at his restaurant, you know, caliche's wishbone. And, and it's, you know, it's not far from, you know, the, the, the main breaks there. And, and so, you know, so there's, like, like, people like that all around the world. Yeah. And I had collected these these recipes and some of them were on the back of envelopes and some of them were stuffed in, you know, in books that I had and some of them were, you know, like what, they were all a mess. Yeah. But I pitched it to the, this lady who uh, um, was a publisher and she loved it. She said, we're going to sell a million of these. So needless to say, we didn't sell a million of them. But, um, but the hardest thing about it was standardizing all the recipes. Because half of them were in metric, you know, mm. and half of them were like, you know, were. So you spend a great deal you know, of that, in like the kitchen. Like everything has to be, you know, like for six or for four. So some of the recipes were for 20, you know, like that's a paella for 20, you know, and but like you can't make that. Yeah. Everything has to be the, sort of the same scale do based on. As a recipe book. <clears throat> so, you know, so so it was great. And she was really. Uh, and, it, and it sold. It's still selling. It's still, you know, it's still out there and. And people always send me like these pictures of, hey, I'm, I was in, I was in uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, Barnes or, and Noble, yeah. and like, and they send me a picture of like the book, you know, on, on, on the thing, and go, see, it's facing out, and all the other ones are like stacked in like this, and yours is like got the, you know, the face it's out, got a wave like, on a it or anything deal, cool. Right? And, and, yeah, it does. It has a way. It has a it has a picture of a big bunch of food and then a wave breaking in the background. But anyway, so that was my third book, and then um, my literary agent said, so what are you going to do for 
your next book. And I had never really thought of that. I, I only got a literary agent when I got this cookbook, right? And and literary agents are like your like like your like your agent, you know? Yeah. And, and they, they, they sell your book for you. So I pitched her a couple of things and she went, eh, eh, and I said, well, how about a book on uh, history of women surfing? She goes, I could sell that in a heartbeat. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. And I didn't realize how much I was biting off, you know, because it's a huge task. Thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a the research history. alone is just, yeah. you know, yeah, months and months and months, if not, you know, years. And she got me a really good publisher, um, um, Simon & Schuster, um, which is the biggest publisher. I've even world. heard of that. Yeah, you know that. And, and, uh, and so they gave me an advance because it took me a couple of years to write the book, you know, and, and it was during COVID, which was actually a blessing because you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. You couldn't do anything, you know. So yeah. like, and, and all the people, like all, all the women that are the hardest people to get, because all the women that are like, that are like my age or, or, you know, that aren't right now on the tour, I know. So, I, you know, they're going to talk to me. You know, it's easy getting them. But, like, when people are on the tour, you know what it's like. Guys or women, it's like, oh, I just got off the plane. Oh, I'm just getting in my hotel room. Oh, I just lost my heat. Yeah. Oh, you know, fucking there's never a good time. Yeah. You know, to, like, to like talk to somebody who's on tour. Yeah. They're always either stressing or bummed out. Yeah. Or, they're, or, or they won their heat and they're, Partying. they're, they're, they're you know, at the bar. Yeah. You know? So, Very it's hard. like, it's really hard. And all of a sudden, they're all home. Yeah. Dying to take your call, you yeah. Because they got nothing. Should have wrote nothing going three on. more books, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and so and so I got so I got it all all done and and uh, and as it turned out, it was good timing because the Olympics were just coming. And, wow. And a, a woman's history had never really been done before, and this is like four hundred pages. It's it's more than you know most people would bother to read to begin with, but it, but it but it you know but it's a history, you know. That's so cool. You can't. You can't do it half-assed. You got to yeah. do it all. You know what? What's it called? It's called Women on Waves. Women on Waves. Yeah, yeah. I should <clears> have brought out. a copy with me. It's out, and uh, in fact, it's in its third printing. And um, so yeah, you were telling me earlier. Yeah. So it starts off <clears throat> on a hardback. It starts out as, as, a, as a as a hardcover, and and um, and it starts out in 1640. And the oldest surfboard that they have ever found in the world um, belonged to a Hawaiian princess. 1640. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. And they know all about her because the oral traditions, they know all about this woman. So what happened was the, the Hawaiians um, buried themselves like the, like the Egyptians did in tombs, in lava, in, in lava, in, in lava um, tombs. And where they kept everything cool and everything was like, like, you know, mummified. Yeah, mummified. And they brought their favorite stuff with them. And she brought her surfboard. How crazy. So they know who she was. Yeah. And so they know that that was her surfboard. And so all the stories in about her and her surfing was kind of confirmed by this find and so forth and so on. Anyway. What, what's her name? <clears throat> uh, Princess. God, I won't be able to say that. I'll send it to you. I'll send yeah. you a copy yeah. of it. Um, and you can and you can read it. I can't. Uh, it's nine, nine, 19 syllables and, and yeah, fifteen. And um, but uh, but anyway, so it so it did really well. But meanwhile, um, um, I got a call from these friends of mine, and they said, "Let's all get together. We want to do a, a, a TV series on surfing." Wow. On surfing on, on all, you know, all of surfing. And we want you to be the writer on it. So, of course, I say, wow, that sounds really great. You know, that sounds fun. So we went, and originally we had Dana Brown 
Bruce's yeah. um, son and I, who like were, uh, you know, we're really good friends, and I love the guy. He's great. Um, and so we started working on one, and that was called Beach Road, the birth of the surf industry, and it's about um, Beach Road. Yeah, it's about uh, Hobie and Grubby and John Severson and Bruce oh Brown. Gosh, and how cool! DB Fletcher told you us know. about Beach Road. Yeah, yeah, how cool! Yeah. So, so she knows about this movie, and it's. It's in fact. Um, uh, so it's a movie. It's a film. Okay. Yeah. It's a ninety-minute film, and um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna open for the uh, Data Point Film Festival um, in May, but but we didn't want to start. We, we so we wanted to pitch this series because that's how you keep working, right? You do one movie. It's like it's one. It's hard to sell one. Yeah, movie. one do a series on and Netflix series, or Amazon yeah. or some Hulu or money. They don't have to spend as much money on marketing because they spend just as much money on six as they do on one because they're promoting it like like you know nineteen twenty three or whatever you know. Yeah. Like they did that. It's like they only had to, they're just producing. They're just talking about one thing, right? But it's like nine you know nine yeah. nine episodes, right? Yeah. So nine hour <clears throat> movie. Yeah. So um, so. So I said, look, this one just doesn't, this one, I go, in, 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 in Hollywood terms, this has no car chase and it has no shootout. Mm -hmm. I go, let's do one that has those. And so we went to Hawaii, we're going to do the North Shore. And we did not, we, you can't, the North Shore is a series of its own. Yes, you know what I mean? for it's sure. Like an 11 part, 11 episodes. Yeah, it's a whole itself, season, right? yeah. Like, it's a different genre. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a different <laughs> subject matter yeah. altogether. Um, surfer, gangsters, like, yeah. <laughs> so when we came back, I just said to everybody, hey, you know, I mean, we interviewed 23 people, but that's not going to do it. And we didn't get DK. We didn't get, you know, we, 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 didn't, we didn't get Fred Hemmings talking about the professional, you know, circuit star. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that we don't have. But I go, but what we did do and I said, we interviewed 23 people, and I had picked all the people that we were going to interview, and I said, and 17 of them were lifeguards. And I go, I didn't, I didn't do that on purpose. What a trip. But, that, but, but I just picked people that I knew were one really good interviews, and because lifeguards have seen it all. Like, I was looking for people who could, like, tell the story, right? Yeah, like, yeah. what happens? You know, you have Mark Cunningham sitting Heroism, in the tower like, at, yeah, moments. You know, at Pipe. Yeah. He's seen it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there is no day that he wasn't there you know it was and 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 he's like an you know he's amazing and so are like all these guys you know so eddie and 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 brian kialana and you know all these guys so, so <clears throat> sorry to interrupt so is this first one gonna uh debut in may yeah Beach no Road. no it's actually gonna debut before that it's actually it's actually played in some theaters and now it's at the it's at the film festivals um, in in process of the so Beach Road's filmed out. It, it's done, but we haven't done anything with it yet. Okay. But this this other one is called Big Wave Guardians, and it's um, it's a story about the North Shore lifeguards and and surfing in. Dude, you know, look at who just won the Eddie. Luke, yeah. the, Luke Shepherdson. A lifeguard. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. How yeah. fitting. And we have a we have probably probably. Of the ninety minutes, there's probably ten or twelve minutes of it are is about the Eddie, yeah. Because that was the pre precursor to like explaining who Eddie was, yeah. And Eddie was the first North Shore lifeguard, yes. And he used to patrol the entire North Shore, driving in a hearse, like from sunset, you know, to Haleiwa, <laughs> right? 
and he painted it white because he didn't want it to be a, like a symbol Scary. of death. He wanted yeah. it to be a symbol. But of it was life. a hearse, yeah, right, yeah. And and you know, and then he got and then he got the job at Waimea itself, and then you know, and so anyway, that's so that doesn't stories within with, stories. But, which... but that's but that's sort of the, the there's a historical sort of drive to it. And Brian Kealana is kind of the main character because he was the one that spearheaded the the jet ski and that revolutionized. Yeah. Water safety and brag big wave surfing, yeah. and big wave surfing, and so so there's a whole that it's sort of built around him, and then all the other lifeguards that are yeah. that are on now, and then like the, the historical guys, you know. That's awesome! I yeah. can't wait to because they're they're unsung heroes in in regards. I mean, within Ooh. the community, yeah. you know, they know, but as far as like outside that like yeah. niche, like he's like, and not just saving surfers that hit their head on the reef or or you know. I'm talking about like just everything, everything. Yeah. folks coming in, like yeah. what they see, yeah. they're, they're freaking insane. Yeah. So you love it. You guys yeah. love it. I would love Because it's, it's, it's all about all yeah. that, right? Yeah. And, well, and it's, it's, it's the uh, real Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> so Beach Road and then Guardians of Big Wave Guardians. Big yeah. Wave Guardians. And then, and then after that, our plan is to do one called, well, one on women, right? That we're going to do because that's a story. After your book. Yeah. Okay. It, with it, like you know that that you know that has, you know, but but is is brings it up even you know closer to like you know Malaya and you know KK, but all you know all the all the you know just like now you know Malaya won the you know won the the pipe thing you know, um, and <clears throat> so we have her on tape and we have you know so we we think we can do a really great you know story on the women, dude, and yeah. then and then one called the healing power of surfing. Which is about everything from the PTSD guys, um, you know, coming back from the Iraq War, to the autism, you know, kids, to the uh, Vietnam vets, to healing, like everyone water who's healing, ever yeah. done, like you know, like you know, they put blind kids out, and like there's one, there's one really great one of, of a kid who had never spoken. He was like mute, and they took him surfing, and and he he spoke. No way. Is that wild? That's insane. So, like, so that's the, so that's the, that's that story. Um, you know, the guys that lost their legs, the guys, you know, and the, but the, yeah. like, you know, rip and yeah. and so forth, and the kids that are autistic, and and so we have we have uh, what a great so angle. That's, I mean, who? These are all your ideas because yeah. that's just so awesome. Like, you know, yeah, because we all know about all these different organizations that that cystic, cystic fibrosis, you yeah. know, MS, Not and Molly. and then you know they. So all these great organizations and, you know, Operation Surf and then uh, oh, Open Water. Uh, oh, yeah, Operation Open Water. You know, they all, you know, use ocean as he- surfing as healing, yeah. you know. But to bring it all together, you know, yeah. is, is well, freaking it's like, cool. It's, it's bitching because Netflix is pretty cool with all the documentaries. You know, documentaries and they're, you know, almost like they're documentaries, but they're all almost like made for documentary like almost a, a fictional yeah story but right. it's real right right, right. Yeah. you know what i mean yeah they do a lot yeah, of totally. and what Dramat, dramatic like, dramatic well, you know, yeah they they add a yeah they 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 do a movie to tell the the history yeah which is yeah. pretty sick you're doing a documentary on surfing but there's so many facets of surfing that you could focus on and yeah you could do a hundred series no you could i mean and, beach and like 
Beach Road, because we, we did interview Herbie and Devi. Right. The way she explained it, it like was so mind blowing to me. Yeah. Because it's it, one little stretch. Yeah, one little stretch yeah. of the surf industry, and and not just the surf industry. And you you touched upon it earlier when you said like you know people that came out of the Great Depression and World War, they wanted to do new different things and create new different industries. Yeah. And that beach road, that's what. You know, yeah, a little petri dish. Yeah, it's a little crazy. petri dish yeah. of like yeah. Joey Cabell and you know Grubby Clark and all these you know Herbie and and Hobie. It's like all those things, all those characters and icons of of sport of our sport changed our, our industry. Culture. Yeah, absolutely. and 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 the whole and I'll never forget, you know, DB saying how NASA, the space, you know industry revolutionized surfing and and even like living because they created the outdoor they created the sliding glass door right and because of the sliding glass door yeah the outdoor living became a thing right and barbecuing outside and then marty hoffman or walter hoffman yeah walter yeah with the fabric. he's the guy that the lived Garmento. on oahu that brought Hawaiian shirts to the mainland. Yeah. With the Japanese, yeah, from yeah. the Japanese textile, like. Yeah. 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 Like and, the, then, and then you. <laughs> you know, that's why we love our, like, this show and interviewing because I, I call it. We're all know, entwined. The, the, yeah. The, the web of life, the surfing, you know, the surfing web of life and how we all cross over and, you know, we all have our different lanes and we different, like, yeah. vibe. But, yeah, you know, we're all. Connected by surfing and then connected by culture. And culture and friends and industry and everything. So I have to say, because you'll love it. So in the Big Wave Guardians, one of the things that that, uh, Brian says is, um, we're not divided by land, we're connected by water. Yes, we are. And and uh, and that's kind of the theme of this of this show. I'm gonna rip that, that off. <laughs> yeah, I'll coin that right now. Yeah, we're not divided by land; we're connected by water. Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah. So, so well, you, know, you guys will dig it. I'll make sure that we have a show. Actually, if you want to come see it live, we have a show at Bronner Surf Shop in San Cle- in San Clemente. Okay. Um, which I'd love to have you guys come and see it. Yeah. Um, at, on the seventeenth. So it's February seventeenth. It's Friday the seventeenth. Okay. Yeah. That's so. my son's birthday, but oh dang! You know, we'll see if we get. Uh, well, I will also have one on uh, in Oceanside, but that's a long way for you guys to go yeah. on the twenty fourth. But uh, the next Friday, yeah. One in, in Oceanside. What is that one going to be? It's the international, the Oceanside International Film Festival, and it's at the Brook Sick. Theater, and they're and they're opening with us, so I'm pretty excited, you know, about that. So which um, which is good? Is it Guardians of or Big? It'll be those will be the great Guardians. Okay. One. Yeah. So yeah. cool. So did Beach Road yeah. already come out? So Beach Road we made, but we haven't like we put put it. It's out. only been a few because I was saying theaters. we don't have. We, it, we wanted to do ones like like once we get it going, then like people who are not like you guys who are already aficionados who would watch it no matter what will watch something. But we wanted to have the ones with the shootout and the race, you know, and the, and, 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 and the car chase first. You want to sell have sizzle. a couple of those, right? Uh, you got to sell the sizzle one, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Then, like, when they say it, they go, oh, I, I love that series. I'll watch that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if you, what we didn't want is we didn't want it to define the series because it's very low-key. 
you know, like like it's a story of like the the industry, and it's 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 very much a um, not an insider story, but I mean, it's a it's it's not like you're oh there's a thirty foot wave and oh there's you know yeah. pipe and there's you know yeah. the, someone you know someone's making a life and death rescue yeah. and like whereas the the beach road I mean the big wave guardians what has all that stuff yeah it's yeah like, that's stuff. what it's meant for yeah, yeah. like I'm you're gonna, gonna like shit, you know? yeah you're gonna see you don't want to lead with with <clears throat> with a super something that's one. I wouldn't say boring but not as interesting and and eye catching and yeah it's but not, but once once people know the the people quality. behind it the quality the yeah. stories you know. You, you you can you can ride yeah. those waves. And, and funnily enough, you know, we've been pitching this to all these different people. Uh, you know, Hulu and you know, Hulu's very interested, so we'll see where that goes. But um, Apple, Plus. they said they, Hulu said we'll 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 run this movie. Now we're just talking about how much money is going to be. You know, whether it will get his money back from you know or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if he gets his money back, then that's great because then we'll do more of them. You know? Yeah, you got to. It's like, oh, we'll give you $25,000. Well, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know what will happen. But yeah, we'll give you a half hour for that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. You'll get credits. That's only a 15-minute segment, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but I think what's, what was interesting is is that, you know, we told them about the, the, um, the, the Beach Road one, and they were super excited. Yeah. So... Yeah, you know, you never, you just never know. Yeah, you know, that's why I wanted to have a bunch of different ideas because there's a bunch more too. I mean, you know, we want to do one on, on, you know, on, on I call it shooting stars of, of surf photographers. You know, both film and still shooters. Oh, you know, man. Um, and that's the thing is like again, so if you much. you have the group and the and the and the writing and the intel and the storyline or whatever, and and you could put out something that's a little bit more low-key and then something that's a little more action a little bit more artsy you know like there's yeah. so many different right. like parts to our industry yeah. that you could pull from so you've written four books yeah name those again so uh the um uh um san Onofre. uh um it's called it's called surfing the manual it's it's a it's a, a how-to book by pros for you know pro surfers give their secrets uh, first we surf, then we eat, and went on waves. Yeah. First. We and they just Google it and find it. Yeah. People can you, just, you can get it on any of those on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't like to push Amazon, but. No, I know. Hey, they were. You can find them there. I, I know, can't I find know. them in another place. They, <clears throat> they're okay for books. Yeah. Just not surf gear. That's what right. it yeah. started out as. Yeah. yeah book, uh, book site. <laughs> and I mean, I love, you know, I mean, they're, they're, we, I have, uh, the books are at, you know, at Barnes and Noble, which is not just a, you know, one step away, but I'd still rather have people buy it at the bookstore to support the bookstores. But yeah. also, you can get them at Girl in the Curl, or you can get them at, you know, you can get them at a lot of at a lot of surf shops. Too. Nice, that's awesome. Nice. You know? um, and so I know you guys have been have been. Uh, uh, Indulging me here for hours. Yeah, like, wow. we we hooked you up at night now. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're in San Clemente. Bonsai Bowl. They have seven locations. Oh, wow. Five in uh, California, two in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, wow. Treat yourself to a that, couple of those. A delicious, yeah. healthy Thank treat. For me? That's yes. For you? Fantastic. Shade sunscreen. Strider Wazalewski's uh, sunscreen oh, yeah. brand. It's like you know, war. Strider it's like war paint. It uh, stays on really well. It's really hard to get off, which is a good product. Yeah. Um, I love it. Keep Strider us from lives getting... by 
Well, Strider lives next. Strider lives next door to Marty Hoppin, which is where I stay a lot. Oh, at, nice. At the, at the thing, but I have to tell you a really funny story about Strider. So when I when I, I ran the surf camps for Billabong, that was one, another one of the things that I did at Billabong. But I ran the surf camps for Billabong, and and uh, so we would I would always like go down to the, whoever the surf camp was with, and there'd be all these kids, and I'd always bring a surf a pro, you know, with me, and most of them were like well known, or the kids would maybe have heard of them or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, I don't know if you remember that poster of Strider where he's like... Big wave, yeah, pipe, yeah, the shot. Just, just huge, yeah, that, yeah. huge shot. He's looking so, up. So, like, it, it, so the guy who owned the surf, uh, the surf camp had put it up on the wall. And and you know how kids are, like, they say the kids say the darndest things, you know, yeah. that, that whole story. But So, anyway, I go, and this is Strider Walensky. And, and, and he starts to talk. And this little girl, she's probably about 10, and she goes, Who are you? <laughs> and, and I and I look over at him and I point at the poster and the whole group of them goes <gasps> like that, they're all right? psyched <laughs> it's like they didn't have to ask anything else it's yeah. so real you can hear the pin drop when he's talking after that that's so you know? awesome yeah I got that attention funny. now how yeah. <laughs> rad Charlie's a great guy so he's good really, he's yeah. really a good a good guy well dude yeah. this is yeah. uh, amazing I mean so we- you want to promote anything? That, so you, you mentioned um, Big Wave Guardians. So Big Wave be... Guardians is playing at, on the on the twenty fourth Friday the twenty fourth at the Oceanside International Film Festival. And but on the seventeenth too, right? On the seventeenth is playing at Broader's. But honestly, unless you get there early, unless it's like invitation to you guys, yeah. there may not be room. In a, it only holds about thirty five people. Yeah, and I mean. I know there'll be more than that coming. Definitely, yeah, for sure. But we'd save a seat. Like, if you guys were coming, just tell me and we'll, like, put you in. Oh, we we put this out on the World Wide Web. It's going to be I blowing know, up. It's going to be yeah, blowing up. I might just have to bring, like, a kegger off the back of the van <laughs> in the back. But, but do you can certainly do that for the one in, in Oceanside. Yeah. Because it's a big theater. And, like, it can, you know, yeah. it, can, it can play. It'd be yeah. great. You know, we'd love it. And and you're working on more movies? So we have, we have those... Those are the ones that we're working on right now. Yeah. So we have the two that are pre. One is completely done and is showing. The one, the one, the, the the Beach Road one. The thing about it is it doesn't have. We don't have final narration and we don't have all the rights to all the music. So we have to like. We'll, we'll have music. We have to you know. Get substitute and all that. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have to get license for the ones we can and the ones we can't afford. We'll just have to. But we have that. Yeah. It's just a matter of like. So that's called. I don't know how much of you guys know about this. I I just have learned all these terms, but it's post production. So the movie's done. It's 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 time locked, which means everything is in there. Now all you're gonna be doing is swapping one thing for another. So yeah. you might swap a clip or a, mm. or a shot for another one, or you might put new music in instead of that one for that same six or eight you know mm-hmm. yeah. seconds, whatever. But the movie's done. It's not like you're gonna rewrite something. And no, it's just swapping out. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. edits. Epic. So, so well, yeah, dude, dude, we so, learned a ton. We're so very, you're very fast. Can't be kept in. Yeah. Very fascinating, and I mean, what a life! Yeah, you know. Congratulations Love to freaking Poway to <laughs> having your first job at Surfboards Hawaii and and working your way into Surfer Magazine. Yeah. And wait, before that, I mean, holy shit! Stumbling upon uh, a business selling Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Like what? What a 
I mean, you can make a movie on you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Then all the other stuff that I didn't tell you about would come out. Oh. That's why you have <laughs> episode two. That's why you haven't, you haven't yeah. ran for a politician status. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that's a funny thing, though. I swear. I When I write stuff now, I literally will think, okay, is there someone who hasn't died who's still here who will corroborate this story because Ooh. no one's going to believe this. Yeah. Yeah. No one is going to believe this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. stuff that happened in, in different time periods are so different from today yeah. that like, people go, no, you yeah. could never have done that. Like and, I was saying about, about, that, the, the, you know, about, about flying. Oh, well, I was going to tell you about the, 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 the flying. You just, you just gave someone else your ticket and then you walked onto the plane or on, into the airport, handed your ticket to one person, Handed your passport to the immigration people. No one ever looked at them. Yeah, yeah. Your ticket wasn't your ticket; it was somebody else's ticket. Yeah. Your passport was there. We were running freely. Like, can you imagine that yeah. now? Yeah. Like, like getting on a plane and not having your your, your ticket say the same as your passport. Yeah. You'd have forty marshals escorting yeah. you off the plane. You'd, you know? you'd have a you'd have a finger up your butt. I've yeah. I've missed flights <laughs> saying, "Oh, the gates closed." I'm all. The plane's sitting there, and I'm trying to scramble to find another flight, and it still sits there for 15 minutes before it even backs away. I'm like, why aren't you letting me on? Oh, but the gate's been closed. You can't come in. And I'm like, the plane is sitting right there. It hasn't even backed out. What do you mean I can't get on the plane? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't get on. It's already locked. I'm like, dude, this world sucks. (laughs) You know? The show's not about you. I'm just... But wait, I have to tell you one more story, because you guys like it, because it's about about what you were just saying. So, Tom Survey, you know Tom Survey, right? So, Tom and I are going to Mexico, and we're in Tijuana, we're flying out of Tijuana Airport to go to to Baja, and we're stuck in traffic, and Tom's just going, we're not going to make it. And I go, we're going to make it, I promise, we're going to make it. No, we're not going to make it, Jim. And, you know, here it's like 45 minutes before, they close, you know, if you're not, if you don't check in, you're done, right? Yeah. There, it's like, we finally get, we drive I, and I'm trying to get their attention so I drive right up onto the uh, uh, onto the sidewalk of the uh, of the airport and these guys all come running over and I go he's got he's got windsurfers you know and stuff and I got my surfboards and and they're going yeah, yeah come come with us come with us come with us you know we'll get you on we'll get you on so we're running down the hallway toward the airplane they all of a sudden jump down they go down the stairs you see them they're like opening the you know the bay and they're like throwing our surfboards and our, and our stuff in we're running for the thing the guy's waving at us right they open the door we flash our tickets we charge in crash we sit down in our seats we're going god we made it unreal we take off we're watching like the lights of tijuana kind of you know in, in the distance and tom looks over at me and goes what did you do with the car <laughs> we left the freaking car on, on the on the curb, on top of the curb, in front of the door. You totally the just running, right? You totally just forgot about it. Well, because we were just so into like getting to, getting there, and they're all going, "Come on, come on, come on, come on, with us!" Right? So we're just like, we just completely lost our minds. Went right. That is hilarious. You get your car back. So so I'm calling my friends that like live in in, in Tijuana, and I'm going, "God, you guys, would you just look?" And they go, "God." We looked at. They go. It's it's in part somewhere. They go. There's no. You're not. You know. This car is gone. They go. We went to all the junkyards. We went to the police stations. He was impounded. He's not there. So the whole trip, I'm just kind of like just just like freaking out. What am I going to tell my wife? You know. And and so and and we get back and the, and, and we arrange to park to, to come park back it for with, you with, with the keys right and, and no no you, he knows everyone in my, in my car <laughs> I'm like no I can ride I know so what's we start happened. to pull out 
and I look over and I go, there's my, my car. car. <laughs> and it's parked in the parking lot with the keys on the seat. You're kidding me. We just went in, T- in Tijuana. In Tijuana, in the Tijuana airport. Is that that's wild? amazing. I will tell you. So that's why I say when I tell that story, I go, Tom's around. Yeah, Tom can confirm this because no one's going to believe that story. That is like freaking I don't insane. I'm a witness, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, oh, Jim can't be kept on. Dude, we're going to have to have you back on, man. Yeah. I'm sure there's, we're just scratching the surface well, here. We're, 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 we're good anytime, man. Yeah, yes. we'll do it again. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Thank that you was for uh, amazing. sharing your stories. Oh, Peace. Gosh. All right. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down, the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.